I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, no fan of the occult power structure, Bionic. You know, you're usually not a fan of something, just about every week. Yeah, I know. Well, but I mean, it's like, it's all stuff I'm not fans of. Yeah, you know somebody else who isn't, and that is Pastor Russ Dizdar, who is the director of the Shadow the Darkness Ministries and host of the Preemption radio broadcast, uh, and someone who a lot of our listeners really love, and is back after a long absence to talk about the evidence of occult power structures and church infiltration in communities. Yeah, we better just go to them. Okay, we've got a short break here, so here's Pastor Russ Dizdar, and we'll be back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Yes, I'm here with the dog, Bionic. Yeah, Paro's joining us here in the studio, and we have a very special guest on our show, one of... Uh, our most popular guest that's been on our show. It's hard to believe. I think he's only been with us one other time. I know. I sure enjoyed it. In our show, and we would love to have him all the time if he didn't have to be yeah. at 20 places at once normally. <laughs> uh, we have with us Pastor Russ Dizdar, uh, who's also the director of the Shatter the Darkness Ministries and host of the Preemption Radio Broadcast. And we're going to talk about evidence of occult power structures and church infiltration in communities. Uh, so we're going to talk about the uh, occult, their their structures, and what mm-hmm. their techniques are to get even within our communities of believers. Uh, Pastor Russ, it is such a pleasure to have you back for your second visit to the Future Quake Show. Uh, we know that you are insanely busy with your ministries right now, and we so appreciate you dropping in at our request uh, after recording your own radio ministry broadcast earlier tonight. Well, it's great to be here, and uh, we look forward to um, just all that's going to be said and shared. We look forward to it. We're glad to be here with you guys. Well, it's uh, it's instantly a classic if yeah. you show up uh, at our show here. To preserve our precious time today, I'm going to refer our listeners who are not familiar with you, some of our newer listeners, to hear your earlier show with us in the audio, audio archives under the Past Shows tab at futurequake.com to hear more details about your background. And I'll give them a little hint. It should be roughly around January of 2009. Uh, more or less, I think they'll find your show. I will summarize your background by saying uh, that you've been a pastor for decades at several significantly sized churches and have conducted large crusades. You've assisted law enforcement as an expert on satanic ritual abuse and occult activity. Uh, and have reached millions via your Shadow the Darkness Internet teaching ministry, including your preemption broadcast radio show and your numerous speaking engagements with uh, untold numbers of people receiving salvation or deliverance from demonic possession, oppression, or some other uh, besetting sins and captivity to sin. Having said all that, and you can correct me if I got any of that wrong, uh, can you update us on the status of your ministries and the latest developments with them? Sure. The um, ShadowTheDarkness.net, that's the main site, and then from there, Preemption Broadcast and the Black Awakening uh, site and uh, a few other sites. So that's, you know, if anybody goes there, they're going to find out. It's really a busy site, ton of stuff on it. You've got to take your time. But uh, some of the newest stuff is we're offering courses free. We have a brand-new series. Michael, it's the most important one we've ever done, I think. Um, and I've been waiting to do this one. It's called Dark Rituals, Dark Powers. So there's that, and um, 
and we just, uh, you know, they, that's the best thing I could tell them. Go there and take a look. There's a series on uh, ESP versus HSP, that is extrasensory perception versus Holy Spirit perception. We're doing a big, broad series. Uh, it'll be 55 separate one-hour teachings on the uh, Antichrist. It's called the Rise of Homo Satanus. So, uh, yeah, we're busy, but we uh, love it, and uh, we love being here with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised you say a 51-part series. That's probably one week's effort for you <laughs> in your teaching. I want to warn our new listeners when they go to shatterthedarkness.net that uh, you'll uh, <clears throat> you'll probably you'll probably shriek in terror when you first see it. It's one like of the I most did. intense websites I think I've ever seen. I actually jumped up in Tom Bionic's arms uh, when I first saw it. Uh, I had to start working out after that. But uh, my arms off. you know, I go back and look at ours and. Uh, yeah, you can get a good snooze looking at the front of futurequake.com. But uh, I, I want our listeners to realize that when they click on those innumerable number of resources in uh, teaching links there, that all of them are excellent teaching. They're Christ-centered. They're biblically based. Um, they're on outrageous topics that people want to know about today and that many churches are too afraid to talk about. But there is teaching from the Bible to address these very, very important issues and many in the church do not recognize that there are people in immediate spiritual need. They need salvation, first of all, but mm-hmm. they have other oppressions that are happening uh, that are demonically based or other spiritual oppression. Uh, and they can go to your place and get immediate attention. And I'm thankful that you're there, Pastor Russ. Uh, uh, that's one place I know I can faithfully recommend them to, to make sure that they can get uh, the, the, the help they need. Okay, Okay. we're going to talk today. You mentioned your new series, and we're going to focus on that series today. Uh, I'm talking about some of this content that's derived from your newest teaching series that is called Dark Rituals, Dark Powers, How to Detect and Confront Luciferic Ritual Warfare and Targeted Satanic Infiltration. Which is a good very classic. Very relaxing, yeah. And a very good classic future best quake. life now. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> It's not one of the feel-good kind of self-help books uh, yeah. that you normally see in the Christian bookstore. In uh, and, and the series, when I last checked, it was partially completed to date and still uh, completed portions going online. Has that been completed, or you still got some of the last series? Uh, we're still doing about one or two. We have uh, five MP3s up with outline notes, and there's going to be at least uh, – it was going to be eight, then it moved to 11. Now we're going to be up to 15 sessions so they can uh, start off. We got the introduction. One, two, three, and four are done, and uh, we'll be adding uh, more each week. There is more there than they can get their arms around uh, while you get the additional series up. So I recommend to them they get started right now on that after this show. But to begin our discussion on this, can you explain who are some of the key players on the side of the dark powers? Uh, now afflicting our communities. Uh, who are some of the uh, particularly uh, institutions, earthly institutions, that make up this dark force? Well, I think that on the one hand, there's um, a lot of the writers of the past, uh, Alice Bailey, Helena Blavatsky, of course, but people like um, Alistair Crowley, and uh, everybody knows these names by now. And when we talk about these names or we talk about some of the names we'll put out, uh, we're talking Michael, probably a, a, like a tip of the satanic black iceberg. Uh, we, we're, we're giving bits and pieces of what we have found, what we've gone after, both on a biblical revealed level and then kind of digging in like the spies of Israel and taking a look. So um, there is what is called, in, as far as the link, uh, the brotherhood, the ancient brotherhood 
that is the the secretive uh, transgenerational uh, satanic uh, group. They would see themselves as Luciferic, that Lucifer is real, but he's the good guy. Uh, they would um, they're entrenched in politics. They're entrenched in military. As a matter of fact, when anybody talks about the OSS and Monarch and MK Ultra and the Mind Control projects, that's all linked with the old Nazi Black Flame, the uh, development that came from there. Uh, they have had 55 or more years to develop. And so a lot of the information in books, even my book that is quoting many other books, it will, it will, uh, it's, it's a lot of information of what occurred in the 50s and 60s and so forth. But uh, the, the active presence is uh, broad and uh, very, very strong. And most of it is uh, what is really under the carpet, per se. It's there, like Ezekiel chapter 8, the real satanic, luciferic worship in that deep cavern. It was there, but nobody knew until God led Ezekiel to go see it. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me just mention a few that I've noticed in your writing are different manifestations in our culture that they seem that to work their own thing, but they all serve the, the dark forces and, and somehow are sympathetic in some way. You've got Satanists that are real, alive, they're doing their activity, whether it's ritual activity, uh, it can be the most overt groups with the, you know, that you see out in the woods with the cloaks and the things like that, or it can be the ones that are very tightly concealed. You've got Wiccans that focus on earth-based worship, um, but still have a dark side as well, too. Uh, you've mentioned these old families that goes back multi-generational. So, so there's lots of different manifestations like that that are all pieces of the puzzle of the overall army of darkness, correct? Sure, and you've got like Santeria, the lighter side of the kind of uh, kind of a Haitian Satanism, Palomayombe, the old Abakwa. You've got Satanic dabblers, Satanic uh, popular Satanists like Anton LaVey, traditional Satanists like uh, the, the Cathedral of the Black Goat. Um, so you've got a lot of variety that could be seen in literature, on websites. For example, websites. 20 years ago... Um, Nobody would have in their hands the black mass. A law enforcement agent gave me one of 50 hand-typed French versions. But now you can go to the web and you can find massive ancient dark rituals. I won't even name the sites. But um, the same ones that have been being used. uh, So it's really – and here's what I – it takes time to explain, but – it's unprecedented. The numbers of those engaged, the numbers of those doing the rituals. I give one simple example. In '94, Holly Hector from Centennial Hospital, they estimated nationwide in America uh, 2.5 million uh, satanic, richly abused individuals. Others now estimate this was a, was it, this was a medical professional. Oh, sure. That actually was, said this. Oh yeah, she's at uh, Centennial. Hospital. They had a ritual abuse ward in the early 90s. Holly Hector was once a hypnotherapist. She gave it up, didn't believe God wanted her to do that, and she began to work with uh, – because all of a sudden in the end of the uh, 70s and, and the, then in the 80s, hundreds of abuse cases came in. Um, the American Psychological Association psych wards uh, were inundated by the thousands upon thousands, and then it turned into hundreds of thousands – Nobody could figure out where they're all coming from. Canada, Europe, England, Australia, United States. Uh, Colin Ross, a Canadian psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Yep. He also 
He's also been on our show. He's yeah. been okay, on our show. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Well, he, in, his, in, his, in the book before he had it redone, he had estimated maybe up to 10 million uh, cases. Uh, but I just say, okay, let's, let's break it all the way back down to 2 million cases. Let's just say there's 2 million. Every one of the victims I've worked with, we've worked with them for 25 years now, by the time they're 13, they've already gone through 1,000 rituals. They've been through, you know, 40, 50, 60 a year, major ones and minor ones. They know what it is to hear the ancient languages, to hear the screeching of animals. Uh, they know what it is to see sex rituals, blood rituals, and human sacrifice. They understand this. They know this. Uh, they have shown up in psych wards, prisons, counseling centers, uh, pastors know. Um, and every one of them have been through that many. Now, think of this now. From the 50s on, because it's all tracked back to the 50s, from the 50s forward, if there's really, at the minimum, 2 million cases, and then you times that each one's been through, let's just say 100 rituals. We're now talking a few million rituals, satanic, old, ancient satanic rituals that have been going on in the United States over the last 50 years. You know, it's funny you mentioned the 50s because we had such a idyllic view of the 50s. Everything was good with America. Everything was idea. I wish we could return to that particular period of time. You know, and I think of guys like uh, Kinsey. Alfred Kinsey doing pedophilia experiments paid for by the government, allied with actual Nazi officers, uh, people like Kenneth Anger and Aleister Crowley, all supportive work right during that kind of era of time. And so rather than being an ideal time, the, the, the abyss figuratively began to really open up then, it seems like, or maybe at the advent at the, the end of World War II. You know, in the late 40s, a lot of very disconcerting things happened. You have... Uh, Aleister Crowley passing, you have the Babylon working, uh, magical working occurring, you have things like Roswell that happens, the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Book of Enoch, uh, founding of Israel. It certainly seems that we turned third base, did we not, in that era, into the last days? I believe so, and, and it's it's even back then that G.H. Estabrooks, who was a world-renowned psychiatrist, um, he was the head of the American Psychological Association. He wrote a number of books. One book he wrote in 1947 called Hypnotism, one chapter called Weaponizing That Process. He describes in that book how they have learned to create subpersonalities in soldiers, in their, in their people they're working with, to create um, assassins, reconnaissance agents, uh, disinformation, people that sow disinformation. They learned how to create what they called the perfect spy. This is 1947. He's hired by the military. He's talking about the weaponization of this project and programming. And then he leaks out in the midst of this chapter that uh, what needs to be done is uh, that they need to create hundreds of these individuals in every branch of U.S. military for the for the sake of the future, mm-hmm. so that we could have a sixth column, a hidden column of uh, of undetectable soldiers, in a sense, uh, that was very revealing in the nineteen in nineteen forty seven. And so they already knew how to do this uh, in this development of mind control, and and this is the entire underbelly of the satanic agenda of satanic ritual abuse. 
Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, and it also is synergistic because that technology that they further advanced found its way into the satanic communities, ritual communities, yeah. and these people became a part of it as well. Uh, where I guess they continue their research for their own purposes as well. You know, it's interesting. You, you were before I interrupted you. You were going to mention as many as five million or more out there are a threat. And I know you have data that's very reliable. You're being extremely conservative with your estimates, but reliable data that's even larger. And I marvel when I look at society. We're worried about uh, a few score, a few tens of terrorists, and we're willing to pass the Patriot Act. We're willing to uh, do all of these things with the war on terror to try to protect our society from tens of people and what they can do. And you're literally talking about millions of people who are satanically inspired to basically create chaos and suffering for all the other people of Earth, correct? Absolutely. And that's why I think Second Thessalonians calls it a secret power of lawlessness. Um, this is the one big issue. The power of this underground that is developed, uh, like Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower, you know, the sower goes out and the wheat is beginning to be created, but then during the night, the evil one comes and begins to sow his word and create tares. Now, this is, this is some of the implications of pro- prophetic revelation in Scripture. If the Antichrist rises to power, does he do it out of a vacuum? No, of course not. Who's the troops behind the world's largest government. If Hitler needed SS troops, if he needed you know, all that he had to enforce the ideology of, of the Nazis, we got to realize that uh, the underbelly, the rise of the Antichrist includes a regime. And uh, that regime involves the elitists that we've all heard about in the, in the area of uh, the money and bloodlines and things like mm-hmm. that. But they need foot soldiers. And uh, our research and our experience engaging, uh, and it didn't take the Spirit of God to guide and God to show and take us in. Uh, kind of like, again, I used the example of Ezekiel chapter 8, where not even the prophet knew what was going on, but God led him and broke a hole into that cavern right. and took him in to mm-hmm. show him. He was willing to see it. Now, that's part of our issue back in the 80s. We were willing to see it, but... But, Michael, we've seen death, Mm. we've dug up bones, we've been to hospitals and prisons and engagement, we've had uh, uh, people with guns, you know, all the things that were included. It's like the underground thinks, they really do think nobody knows how broad, deep um, they are in their their plotted and planned and coming coup. but when somebody turns around and begins to come into their realm, uh, they do get hot. They believe in what's called, they call it attrition. They're going to come after us. They're going to fight us. They're going to silence us. Because for now, the law spiritually for them until the day mm-hmm. they're going to burst out, the law is secrecy. Keep doing it in, in, the, hidden, in the hidden places right. until they're ready. Right. Well, um <clears throat> All of these groups that you've just mentioned that we've been talking about, you have personally encountered each of them, correct? In one form or another, in a very explicit way, where it was very obvious that these different groups were involved. Oh, yeah. In any of the groups that we mentioned there, that we mentioned even in the book, we've had, again, our, ours is an engagement on a physical level, um, again and again and again, even even counter-infiltration, going into the OTO, the Odu Templi Orientis, going right into the Black Sun camp. 
uh, going into Theosophical Society, going into ritual sites, um, and uh, tracking them. Um, so it would be the people and their places, objects, uh, and, uh, and, we're, and we're doing it to this very day. I mean, we're still, uh, you know, we tell everything afterwards, but we're engaged uh, even now in, uh, in some areas mm-hmm. in retrieving people out, extracting victims and taking them out of their areas. Um, so it does involve all of that. And you have other brethren in your network that are assisting you in these activities? Oh, sure, yep. Yeah, we have uh, those who help, and uh, and it doesn't take a whole lot just you know as far as the team to go in and look. And it might be one or two of us that travel into another state again and again. And uh, to us, there's a big it's it's a big uh, and and again the series we're doing we're we're actually going to be giving a lot of the principles we've learned to do and how we've engaged and how we found victims, how we found ritual sites how we literally have confiscated material that had the names and pictures of, of uh, handlers and perpetrators and uh, locations. Uh, it can be found, but here's the, here's the key. Their power is real. Their power is real. Uh, it is satanic. It is demonic. Uh, Jesus talked about how we've been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. So their power is real. Um, lethal and wrong, of course, and hell, you know, hellbound in a sense. But, but, uh, it takes more than just, you know, like in law enforcement. It's not just a matter of investigation. Um, there really are supernatural powers involved and deep secrecy involved. And we believe that in, in praying, targeting the prayers, uh, to cut through that, uh, for God to rip open a hole, I've called it this, to uh, a supernatural hole into the substructure of radical evil, we can find that. We can do that in our cities and our areas, and uh, and providentially or in direct ways, uh, we engage what has not been seen, what has been covered up uh, for a long time. Uh, and I would presume those that work like you and your associates do in this area, more so than hate, even hatred of of evil need to be motivated by love for the people that you're trying to rescue from this, correct? Is that the main thing that motivates you to take such risk in enemy um, territory is the love for the people that you want to rescue? It really is. I mean, that's the ultimate reason, compelled by the love of Christ to go. And Because uh, I think sometimes over the years, like when we, when we would come back from dealing with a victim, uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting there in silence in the middle of the night, thinking of the face of this individual, the deliverance, the demons that were there, the split personality, all the stuff they've been through, and how they have told me at times, like a 40-year-old individual would, would be like begging and wishing when they were five and six, somebody would have got to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, 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 you know, I, their faces, uh, on the one side, I will be honest with you, there is a rage against the radical evil I have, uh, I, I, you know, the Bible says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I hate what is evil because of the lethal nature. Uh, there is no change. It's eternally fixed in the fallen cherub and the demons. And uh, they will they will use people. They will shred people. The, the demons, like Mark chapter 5, look how they left that man. Right. Um, and so we see, we've seen hundreds of people like that, that we've done deliverance. So I see deliverance ministry as a loving, compassionate thing, 
but it needs authority. It needs there. We need to have the, an authority over that real, I mean, real ancient entities that are in people on people, uh, destroying them. Um, and so we need to engage that, and we need to engage the fact that they're summoning, uh, and then we'll get into this later. Summoning, but unprecedented summoning. Uh, they know spiritual warfare. They know t- how to do targeted warfare. And it's even seen both in Old Testament, but clearly in the New Testament prophetic uh, revelation of, of the book of Revelation. But this stuff is in the scriptures, and God has given us a heads up, let alone that it's going on right now. Right, and I, 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 I'm certain that you would covet the prayers of our listeners out there. Any time they think of you in your ministry, to immediately just pray for wisdom and protection and for every power you need to accomplish your mission, right? You would each one of our listeners out there. Uh, you, you, you absolutely, and, and it's been a great joy to see people from all over that write to us. I've never heard of them before, but they've listened to this or listened to that, and they've listened, and they say, "Listen, I just want you to know, I got you and your family and your staff covered." That means every. Listen, that it is a spiritual war. Uh, we have enormous power. Uh, we should become very fierce in prayer when it comes to radical evil like John Knox did. We should um, also be fierce in praying out the grace in the, of God, the extension of the kingdom of God. Listen, it, it's, it's all a spiritually based battle that shows up, though, in the physical. And, uh, um, you know, we, we've been in the physical side of it many times, but ultimately it is a spiritual battle. And, um, Without the kind of things, without, you know, taking all of what Christ said to do, saving, healing, and deliverance mm-hmm. type work, um, there are so many, thousands of Americans. Europe is inundated. Italy, the last I read the statistics, 8,000 different satanic sects, and then 600,000 known members across that little country, and deep infiltration into the Vatican. Wow. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, boy, that was comforting, bionic. Yeah, well, it doesn't get any better from there. It's going to get more no, and more intense like, during the week. I feel like we, you know, we just, I don't know, it's just really scary. Yeah. And there's so many people who don't get it. Right. They just, they don't even, they laugh at this stuff mostly. Have you encountered a lot of these kind of groups he talked about, different uh, types? You know, uh, that's commentary best reserved for while the mics aren't on, actually, but. Okay. Well, yeah. I wouldn't ask for details just if. Yeah. You've dealt with a lot of different issues, Maybe. haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Maybe. enough said. Okay, somebody else who has something to say is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we've got about 15 seconds or so. Any last... uh Thoughts? Boy, I can't wait for the next uh, next installment here. You know, if you're not familiar with Pastor Russ, um, he's a very special individual, and you're going to learn a lot more about spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tune in the rest of this week, and until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. 
Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, enemy of the occult power structure, Bionic. Ah, very good name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back for our second installment with Pastor Russ Dizdar, who is the director of Shatter the Darkness Ministries and host of the Preemption radio broadcast. And we're talking about his new teaching series and about the uh, topic of evidence of occult power structures and church infiltration in communities. It's a great teaching, but we need to go right to it. Let's just get into it. So here's our next segment with Pastor Rustizdar, and we'll be back for a little commentary here at Future Quake. I'd like to wrap up uh, something that we, we diverted from regarding, uh, you, you alluded to the fact that there's two spheres of worldly influence in which the dark spiritual powers and their human agents focus their attention uh, in trying to influence and control are, are the political and the military realms. Can, can you elaborate on why you believe that's the case and, and why those two are so important to them and give us some examples of how they sure. wield that power? Oh, absolutely. Even the Old Testament where we have uh, we have a pagan king when they're fighting Israel. They're beginning to lose. They send out 700 soldiers. They lose more. So he takes his son, does a, a, a ritual sacrifice, killing his own son to a demon god to acquire power so they could beat Israel. And at that moment in history, they beat Israel. So the political powers like Manasseh, we could see this in the Old Testament a lot. But now we come to the New Testament. Even when you look at Rome and the battle there where God finally said, Romans 16.20, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, when we look at biblical prophecy, there is no antichrist without a governance, without, without politics. Uh, if we look at Daniel, that there is going to be a political side uh, there's going to be a rule. How do you get? How do you gain control of the political atmosphere of the world? And then how do you enforce the political side? Uh, the Nazis. It's no different. The political ideology and Hitler's rule was backed. It can only be there backed by military. So here's what I see in the book of uh, Psalms, chapter two. It's a three thousand year old prophecy that deals with. Well, it's actually fulfilled in Revelation 19, mm-hmm. where God says, why do the you know, peoples, it gives three categories, the critical mass of peoples worldwide, the nations, and then the kings. Now, when you read kings in the Old Testament, or if you look at kings in the New Testament, Revelation 16, it's always a reference to political military leaders. Most political leaders are the military leaders. So, like Alexander the Great and so forth. So if you look at, uh, for example, Revelation 16, when the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, out of their mouths, in ritual format, a kind of triangulation, they send out in a targeted way mm-hmm. demons. They're to go to the kings of the earth and draw them to the great day of God Almighty, which is called, in chapter 16, Armageddon. I always say now, there is no Armageddon which would be the largest military force in human history, uh, combined you know, with their political globalist you know, agenda. Here we have in Revelation 1919, on the field, the Antichrist, the largest military system. Since verse 20 tells us that they had taken the mark of the beast, worshipped the image, we know that it's the most demonically infused, supernaturally infused 
military system in history. It developed, but what what did what brought them globally from all around the world? What brought them to the to the Middle East? What brought them mm-hmm. to the field? That ritual, a planetary level ritual that sends spirits out. That literally the cause of the kings, the political military leaders, the cause of them coming together and uh, and gathering on the great day of God Almighty, as the Bible says, the day of Armageddon. Now, Armageddon, they're not going to fight each other then. Right. This is where they turn their weapons into the sky. And mm-hmm. uh, this is where it says they've come to make war on the rider of the white horse, Christ, in his descent. Michael, this is the third attempt for Satan to annihilate God. In the mm-hmm. heavenlies, he tried it. When Christ came, Revelation 12 says the dragon was there to devour the Christ child. He knew prophecy. Let's ask another question. How does the Antichrist know when to be on the field? How does he know to be gathering all those people out there to the Middle East in direct readiness for the descent, the visible descent of Christ? This is, uh, this is the pinnacle of satanic manifestation of power in housed in political and military um, development. And uh, we see the precursors already. We see people from Department of Defense and NASA developing planetary defense weapons systems. Weapon systems that can be shot into space in case there's ever something from outer mm-hmm. space that comes in, you know, to our realm. So I, I say t- keep watching anyone working on planetary defense weapon systems. Keep watching mm-hmm. anybody developing uh, supernaturally infused soldiers. Mind control is a part of it, but but there but biblical prophecy that shows us the infallible, accurate history of the future. We're not there yet, mm-hmm. but it takes development to get there. God's given us a glimpse of the pinnacle of it, and uh, I believe we're in the development of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you agree with me, Pastor Russ, that uh, in the last generation, we've had a number of prophecy teachers come forward, Christians who are wonderful believers, re-energized uh, the church's interest in Bible prophecy, gotten them to look again at the book of Revelation and Daniel. But most of the most popular and historic ones of our generation really focus on the human element. They try to pin down which country is which, and when they talk about these supernatural things, they say, well, that really is just a helicopter or or this really is just, you know, when you hear something that looks like this kind of creature, well, that just means it's a helicopter shooting missiles or this or that. And in in recent years, as I've re-looked at these passages, I realize that the most of the battle is is with supernatural creatures. It reminds me of these myths that they've told of the old Norse myths of, was it Ragnarok or whatever, where the old gods of old all rise to the ground for one last final battle that there's something understood within the legacy of mankind that these old gods and, and kings, uh, wicked kings, and, and these fallen uh, semi-deity type figures are not done yet. And they've got one more round of judgment. And you go back and look at Revelation, from the time of the sixth seal when the stars are thrown down from heaven, it really is these supernatural characters that are really calling the shots, are they not, until the time that they're vanquished here on earth? Oh, I agree. And again, we've been in the frog in the kettle approach spiritually Mm -hmm. to where everything's been cooked. Well, the bursting out is about to come. And when that bursting comes, the chaos burst, 
the rise of Antichrist, we will have, we already have an unprecedented release of demonic uh, supernatural powers. I mean, as far as numbers, 65 million New Agers, 150 million Americans into some alternative counterfeit spirituality um, that's lethal. It's real. They're having real experiences, but they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And they, they will never lead us. A, 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 a finite dark spirit will never lead a person to God. They'll lead to alternatives, preoccupied, things like that. But here's, here's the reality. Again, God gave us prophetic insight. You know what it is? Intelligence reports of the playbook of Satan. God is saying, here's what he's going to do. Here's what he's going to do. Uh, the working of Satan and the rise of the man of lawlessness and the counterfeit signs and wonders. And here's what he's going to do here. And God's already shown us in Revelation 16, the world's largest, most powerful, a global class, planetary, spiritual wave of power that leads to the final day of human history. It's all because of supernatural direct power. We have the opening of the abyss prior to that. We have the, and in my view of that even, is all of the UFOers that want disclosure after that day, they ain't going to want it again. Right. right. Because what they've been wanting and what they've been hoping and the spiritual convergences, the things they've been calling on, the things they're doing to open the door broader and wider, to want these entities to come across, what they're hungering for, what they've been led to hunger for, um, and uh, I think that it has a lot to do with changing global mentality. Think about this. The opening of the abyss, the creatures come out. God's sovereign protection protects all those who have his mark and the, and the trees and the ground and so forth. So they come out and they bring vast torture. This is the nature of the dark right. side. So the veil is opened. Now they're visibly coming into our realm. And uh, all this torture, all this goes on. It doesn't say when they actually leave, but at some point they're not here somehow. Now, one thing I wonder is, if that event occurs somewhere in the mid part, and the world has seen, has been engaged, has been tortured by these, and if you read it, it says, however they come out, it does say this, they come down upon the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Will right. that be part of the Antichrist's persuasion we need planetary defense weapons. If anything else comes out of the sky, we need to blast it out of the sky. We need to be prepared for any other kind of invasion. Is this part of uh, the future uh, propaganda to to draw the most highly technologically advanced chemical lasers and all the other kinds of weaponries, let alone the supernatural? See, when they gather together, the triangulation of them gather. Guess what happens? They have to do this when it comes to finite power. When they gather mm-hmm. more people together, they have more demons, more powers. Right. Um, and so, if you think in terms of that military system, which, by the way, Colonel Shannon has already kind of given the precursors in First Earth Battalion. People have seen the Men Who Stare at Goats movie, right. funny movie, but there's a reality behind it. We've engaged very, the very people trained by that manual, um, even handed me the manual back in the early 90s, um, this spiritual precursor of learning clairvoyance, telekinesis, powers, to be able to have the power to, to project out and feel your enemy around the corner or feel where a 
uh, assassins, uh, a sniper's bullets, you know, where they're, where they're at. This is supernaturally enhancing uh, people, soldiers. Mm-hmm. And it's only the light level compared to what I believe has been done and will be done. You know, Pastor Russ, this is a little bit off our topic here, but I will be talking about this scenario during my talk at the Last Days 2010 conference in Nashville uh, in April. And uh, I, I think of eight different speakers working on different things that there's going to be sort of a, a synchronicity of, of what we talk about with all of us. I know you mentioned this time of torturing and I had a gentleman at our church mention to him that, that the fact that they are being tortured and they seek death but cannot find it was reminiscent to him of the kind of sleep paralysis that people who have uh, been, uh, you know, subject to abduction mm. events uh, right. abduction that it seemed very similar to that that there was, these were kind of terrifying experiments going eyes. on during this during this time so I, I think we're getting more and more glimpses of how this could actually work and be a reality itself uh, I, I want to move on and um, ask you about the Antichrist <clears throat> you said in your writing uh, and I'm sure you've said this numerous places that you think the Antichrist is already alive today uh, can you tell us what you suspect about him, if that's true, regarding what you think his attributes would be? Sure. Uh, sure. I think that, uh, you know, if we're looking at the uh, coming chaos, the coming development of the coming tribulation, things like that, if if we see that as even 10 years, say it's even everywhere I've gone, people believe it's five, 10 years away. I don't know the day or number, but, but, but uh, to think in terms of 30 years away, almost nobody's thinking that way. Um, and here's the issue. Because I believe the Antichrist is truly, um, when I say a man, I mean a, a counterfeit incarnation, literally Satan in human skin. Everything about the Antichrist or the little horn or the beast or the man of losses, anything about him uh, is counterfeit to the real. So I do believe that he that there is a black Madonna, per se, a, a woman uh, in a bloodline that will be... Uh, will conceive as the Holy Spirit caused Mary to conceive and Emmanuel, God in human flesh, is, is produced, uh, genetically, whatever, however you want to look at the incarnation, fully God, fully man. Now when we come to the Antichrist, I don't believe we have Nephilim in the sense of just, just a fallen angel alone doing it. I believe that the fallen cherub himself causes the conception. However we look at it, I believe that, I personally believe he's already been born. Now, when people say, well, don't you think he's an alien, or don't you think he's this or that, or don't you think he'll come up you know, uh, you know, know, out of the abyss later on or something? I said, well, no, because Daniel tells us that he'll have a level of uh, a little level of political power and eventually grow and ta- overtake. And when you look at the whole picture, Old Testament and the New, you get this bigger, broader picture. He has the face that looks like a man. Uh, he has a mouth that speaks boastfully. But Second Thessalonians 2 calls him, Anthropos Anamos, uh, the apocalypse of Anthropos, the man of lawlessness. So I believe that um, he will be the most most supernaturally induced human, uh, and he's not a possessed human. I believe he's uh, like Nephilim in the sense of genetically created, um, crossbreed, but directly of Satan and of uh, human flesh that uh, it's all cloaked in a kind of uh, masqueraded political power, beauty, attractiveness. Of course, the false prophets off to his right 
helping him out all the time, or left-hand mm-hmm. path, I should say. So I, I believe that if we're that close, listen, he has to have already been born. He has to be living somewhere as he's raised. Even as Christ was raised, eventually he came to power. The symbol, see, everything Satan does to the T is in counterfeit uh, to the original. Even the Greek words parousia and apocalypse is used of the Antichrist. He has a coming and, 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 a, and, a, and an unveiling visibly. You know, Pastor Russ, uh, I don't know if this is a perfect analogy, but I'm just sitting here thinking that it says in the early days of Jesus that he grew in stature, you know, in great respect, you know, his community. There came a day when he went up in front of everyone and read out of Isaiah and said, this has been fulfilled before your eyes, and then began his, you know, roughly three-and-a-half-year ministry. And I think about the Antichrist. Of course, he has great wealth and other attributes uh, that he uses, but he's going to grow in great uh, respect, great admiration of the world community. And then someday when the abomination of desolation happens, I assume it's it's sort of like a corollary to, to to Jesus' reading of Isaiah when he says, this is fulfilled before your eyes, here's who I really am, and then begins his three and a half years of his infernal version of Jesus' ministry. Is, is, there, a, is there a comparison there? I, I believe so. I believe so in every way. I believe there's a is a very uh, detailed, because with it comes, you know, with the Antichrist comes counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles, of course. Um you know, he, he shows up, I believe, because of the great revolt that occurs. He shows up, first of all, I mean, the world, we see him, and we're, we're titling him the Antichrist of the Incentive, but the world, in every sense, will see him as a savior. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the savior, even when he has the wound and seems to die and has a counterfeit resurrection. Everything about him is counterfeit to the real, and I believe that's minutely true concerning um the the actual conception, uh, the pregnancy, uh, the birth. Now I'm just saying, Ian. My opinion is all of that's occurred. Uh, that he is developed. That maybe he's in his late twenties. Maybe he's thirty years old. I don't know how old is how old he is. Mm-hmm. But um, but I know that it involves a regime behind the whole. It's not just him by himself. The old mm-hmm. versions of the old movies was it was just a man that gets right. the best. Right. You know, I don't believe that. I, I'm just saying again, people can check out what I you know believe on the subject right. and, and question it, but I, I I really believe that he's he there will there will be an apocalypse which is the unveiling, but it means he's already been here. Mm-hmm. Um, the apocalypse of Jesus himself is the visible unveiling, but he's 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 behind the curtain per se. Um, already. So it, the only mm-hmm. way you can have a visible unveiling is to be there already. Well, there's a support system I think you're alluding to that, that will be in place to help facilitate him. Uh, and, in fact, uh, even Hitler had that same support network in the occult groups that had been awaiting him, and when they detected in the spiritual world that he had arrived, they were the ones that helped facilitate his rise to power. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's, it's not a single person thing. One last comment on the Antichrist I thought of in your your discussion earlier about uh, the space weapon idea to try to protect people from this infernal attack from the abyss. Uh, you notice the people who were not harmed in that group were those who had the seal of God on their foreheads, the 144,000. That may be a further justification for the mark of the beast, that he sells this mark as a, another way of supernatural protection 
uh, just like people saw those that had the mark of God were protected from these creatures, he sells his own mark for that purpose. Very good point. Uh, of course, it of course it won't get the job done, as we all know. Um, you mention a term that's uh, a very curious term called the inverted counterfeit satanic Pentecost. Can you explain to us what that's all about? Yeah, and, and I guess I want to say a couple of things uh, real quick. Is that as I dealt with these undergrounders engaging the the, the the demons, the programming, the stuff, the ancient languages, the materials. I'm something like the, the term "black awakening." It's their term. They believe that they will cause a massive anarchy, a massive chaos, for the purpose of bringing in the Antichrist. They believe they're here to be the troops. Now, they also believe that it will be initiated uh, the cause of the release. People have asked me for years, what's going to be the activation or triggering, uh, you know, five million of these kind of uh, you know, demonized programmed soul I mean these that are gonna go out and do all they're gonna do. What will be the trigger corporately? We've seen it on an individual basis and watch people watch these programmed demonized people attack. Um, but what happens on a corporate level? So uh we've talked about well like a dog whistle, you know, only the dog hears it, maybe a microburst, uh maybe it's something on T V, maybe it's cell phones. Um, again what causes the most powerful political leaders, the most powerful military leaders, and the most powerful military system in human history? What causes them to gather, notice the language of Psalm 2, Revelation 16, and Revelation 19. The same idea. Gather them together. What causes them to gather them and bring them on the field in preparation for that final war? Nothing but sheer a planetary release of a, a, a potent, direct, satanic, you know, powers. Now, I I call that one Revelation 16 uh, the second, and it's the mother of all rituals, the re, the release of demonic power to cause it. Now, when it comes to the great chaos, the bloodshed, the collapsing of nations, the collapsing of political systems, uh, to to kind of you know to to kind of like uh, Katrinaize everything. Um, the cause of that in their version is uh, the building up of, uh, of the ritual release of demonic power and then ultimately a synchronization. And uh, like Pentecost, when we as believers know that the power of the Spirit of God came down, they were clothed, we know that there was no advance to the gospel without the power that there was an initia- mm-hmm. initiation of that power of the church, and then from that point, wow, 30 years of history, man, they were leading people to Christ, they were, thousands were coming, and you read Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 6, Acts 8, and you see power on everybody as believers, spirit-filled believers, doing the work of God. The, op- the same is true on their side. They see it, and I will say on a biblical basis here in a second, um, I see that a counterfeit, massive burst of a manifested... Now, there's a difference between unfelt and manifested power. It's like me and you as a believer. We can go to church or have it a certain time where we're worshiping when we can feel the power of God all over us. Well, so can they, only it's the power of the manifest power of the demons. Um, when the early church saw Philip or saw uh, Peter or... You know, Barnabas, a good man full of the Holy Spirit. 
that was evidential. So it will be with them. Uh, and so we have seen it with them. So if we read correctly in Second or Second Thessalonians 2, that there's a reason for a restrainer. Why is there a restrainer? What is, if it's the Spirit of God or the hand of God or an angel of God, God is restraining the secret power of lawlessness, Satan's supernatural operating power, and the Antichrist. He's restraining. Literally, here's how I look at it. They're bulging at the seams like a dam that is cracking. They want out so bad. They want on this side. They are, they are literally bulging to crush into this side in the biggest, broadest burst. But there's just simply the finger of God restraining. Mm-hmm. That idea of restraint, you know what it means to restrain somebody. Mm-hmm. I've had to do that physically many times uh, to hold back them from, well, one guy from bursting out and taking the knife and slaughtering two women in front of him. Um, this is the idea. There is a restraint mm-hmm. that holds back the bursting of this day, and I believe that's the Great Rebellion. Mm-hmm. The, undergrounders, the undergrounders all believe it. They even seem a little frustrated because they're doing their rituals, they're releasing their powers, they're dirtying the air, they're beating their satanic drums, per se, uh, they are believing that literally the, the troops of uh, the hounds of hell are at the edge of the veil, the troops of the mast, they're ready to see their powers, not little by little incrementally, you know, unleashed, mm-hmm. but a burst, mm-hmm. a, a, a day in which it will show up in the physical realm, uh, like the winds that caused and we see what occurred in Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, uh, you know, the, I have some thoughts on this as well, too, and uh, a lot of it's been inspired by your work, and I hope to unveil some of that at the uh, Last Days 2010 conference in April, and I'm glad you're going to be there speaking as well, because I think we're going to have a neat discussion about some of this and look at some plausible scenarios. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, still an enemy, but maybe even more so of the occult power structure bionic. Well, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad you are. Yep. Uh, any quick thoughts you had on uh, what you heard today? Well, I sure I sure found it interesting to be reminded about how dark and crazy the world uh, outside of the United States has become. It's not a few crazed people. No. It's a lot more than that, isn't I it? I know. You see it even when you go to the New Age bookstores in other countries. Here it's all light, and they've got crystals, and it's airy right, and everything. Right. Like over there, it's like pretty obvious. It's dark. There are whips mm-hmm. and chains on the walls. And, mm-hmm. It's like you know, very druid-like. Yeah. Speaking of crazy people, Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us here at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to say goodbye. Let's get out of here. Come back for the third installment tomorrow with Pastor Russ Dizdar. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock 
of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, hating the power structures of the enemy, Bionic. Amen. And I think that's a very good uh, thing to point out. We were talking yesterday about the inverted counterfeit satanic Pentecost mm-hmm. with Pastor Russ Dizdar, who is the uh, director of Shadow of the Darkness Ministries and host of the Preemption Radio Broadcast, mm-hmm. talking about the evidence of occult power structures in church infiltration in communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just keeps getting more and more intense, doesn't it? It does. You know, uh, the one thing I find interesting about him is that he is just such a loving, mm-hmm. caring guy. He just mm-hmm. he wants to just save everybody, and like that's mm-hmm. it, you know. And one of the most comfortable people I've ever been around. I know. To, for the intensity of what he has to deal with, and it must be the peace of God. Yeah, I totally, man. I get the feeling he's like on a different plane or something, don't well, you? The more I've been around him, the more. I've been impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, when I go on a website, it scared me to death. Yeah. Uh, but once I got to know who he was, um, it's been a, a wonderful experience. And I, I know our ladies and gentlemen would love to meet him at the Last Days 2010 conference. He'll be there along with you and I. Of course, not as wonderful as meeting you and yeah, I. He'll but be the third coolest speaker there. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if Lynn Marzulli would like that or not. Uh, or, that's know, okay. Other guys. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's Pastor Russ Dizdar talking about the evidence of occult power structures and church infiltration in communities. And we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. I, I, I want to talk about another related topic, and that is the concept of doorways. Uh, why are doorways or portals needed for the dark powers to fully engage our world uh, in the way they desire? And what is the nature of these doorways and how they form and open? Oh, sure. Um, in some similar ways, it's the laws of engagement into our lives until, you know, there's that conviction drawing. And when we believe, Christ comes in. And literally, we are opening the, you know, we, the, the, the phrase we've always heard, open the door of your heart. Um, well, Satanists can't have powers in unless they do the same. When we pray, we help to see, in a sense, doorways open. Ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, and what? doors will be open. So the idea that um, that even the laws of engagement, if we don't do any praying, there's going to be no answers. If they don't do their ritual summoning, there's going to be no arrival of demons and sending them. So the concept of doorways is um, anything that can be used that would give a opening, a crack, a legal right. Now in the book of uh, Ephesians 4, we're told you know, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down to your anger, and give the devil a toe pawn. Um, you look at the Greek and you'll see it, just a doorway, a foothold, even in uh, earlier Greek, a, 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 an actual legal, it's used in legal terminology, a legal right, a loophole. So we're told as believers, don't give the devil a foothold, a hole, a doorway. Now that could be through... And what we found in deliverance prayers and things, you know, unrepentant, deep-seated bitterness uh, is a big issue. And what happens is it's like putting out the garbage and the rats come. They smell it. They come to it. It's what they're into. The demons are into the flesh. It's the platform. Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work. That means supernaturally operative in those who are disobedient. So the unsaved 
with the sin code operative, well, the enemy already has an operating ability in them. When a believer opens up any fleshly levels consistently over time, the enemy can grab a hold of an area. So the idea of topon, whole, uh, Ouija board can be a whole, uh, conjuring spell, even if it's so-called light level stuff in New Age practices. The Luciferic invocation that's been done at the UN and other places, uh, calling on any demonic name, using the Satanic Bible to do the basic, well, destruction ritual, sex ritual, any rituals, whether it's uh, voodoo, uh, old, old, the black mass, of course, uh, even deeper, broader, more horrific ones, um, it opens a door to them. It's, 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 um, it's giving them the room to come through the legal right, and, uh, and they actually then can, can manifest to the side. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> and this, this is related to, to portals that are actually being opened as well, too, for in, in mass transfer of sure. beings as well. Uh, can you get, you've mentioned uh, before uh, some of these numbers, and I want to make sure we have this clear for our listeners early in our interview, uh, and include all the different kind of groups that you're aware of. Can, can you clarify again your best estimate of the number of members of the public who are suspected to be members of occult groups such as coven, satanic groups, or subject oh, sure. to demonic influence, or, or the satanic ritual abuse created submerged personality sleeper cells, uh, you mentioned a few of these groups. Can can you sure. give us a little more data on that and your justification sure. of these estimates? Well, absolutely. When you think of the New Age movement, it's the largest alternative counterfeit spiritual movement in the history of Christendom. Uh, the United States, the last estimates were around 65 million worldwide, a few hundred million that are opening the door to you know you know they're into channeling and and, and crystals and you know whatever powers and leaving their body and letting entities come in. All of that together, that's the largest. And yet the ultimate mother and father founding writers of the New Age movement, like Alice Bailey, dictating 21 volumes of direct, the Bible calls it Didache of Demons. So we're reading, literally, if you're reading her books at all, it's very, you can feel it as a believer, but you're reading inspired writings dictated by demons. Now, um, so the New Age movement, uh, no matter how, light level you think it's extremely lethal because of the spiritual nature so you've got 65 million there you've got across america even when it comes to popular satanism traditional satanism the deep underground satanism when you deal with palomombi and and the abakwa and you deal with santeria and druids and wicca when you deal with all of these kind of groups you're talking now 150 million in america that have opened the door Hmm. um you have in the 60s the second largest proliferation of occult literature in history, according to the historian uh, James Webb, an occult historian who wrote the book The Occult Establishment. The 60s was the second largest proliferation of occult literature. Look at the 60s. The drug mm-hmm. issue, Pharmakion, opening the doors that way. Right. The Eastern religion stuff. The Book of Satan, you know, Satan's Bible, and, and uh, uh, well, a lot of the satanic ritual abuse unknown to anybody else, was going on. Now, the victims showed up at the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 80s, but it was going on in the 60s. Mm -hmm. So the 60s was crazed. Now, you know the weird thing the historian says? The first proliferation 
lar- you know, the largest, you know, the first largest proliferation of occult literature was pre-Nazi Germany. It's 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 happening in the same way, mm-hmm. only broader, wider. Well, certainly in the late 1800s, after the rise of spiritualism, everyone from presidents on down. I mean, you, we we know now that Abraham Lincoln had seances uh, in the White House. We had other presidents that did the same. Uh, we had presidents to go see Edgar Cayce uh, to be read. And so well, when, Hillary Clinton, I mean. Right. <laughs> she was channeling Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt, Roosevelt. And we had Reagan actually going consulting horoscopes. And when, you're, when your top officials are doing that and, and your celebrities and things, it percolates to the entire society. So uh, I think even farther back in the late 1800s, uh, even as theosophy and other things were really getting a foothold, we were entering the portals of the last day because spiritualism took off, and people like George Pember said this is a sign of the entering of the last days because of this rise of, of interest and contact with these dark uh, spiritual forces of self. Um, the idea of bloody sacrifice, and particularly human sacrifice, as being such a powerful concept or powerful force to empower dark powers. Can you explain why why that bloody sacrifice, human sacrifice, is so powerful and uh, in, in why it even empowers their human agents? Sure. I can give you kind of what they, the undergrounders, have said, those who participated in it. And also, again, biblically speaking, going back to Second Thess- or Second uh, Kings, we find Manasseh. Uh, not only does he get involved with every kind of kind of New Age-type spiritualism, Every kind of spiritualism he can get his hands on. That's how it usually goes. Well, until he got into actual human sacrifice, sacrificed his own son, God said of the nation and of the people of that time, starting with political leaders, that innocent blood had been shed from one end of the nation to the other. Now, that's biblical revelation on what occurred in the past. It hasn't changed. Satan hasn't changed as as far as how does Satan get his presence in the atmosphere, in the politics, in the ideology, in the laws, in the temple building, in the symbology, in all of it, well, there's you know different doorways. Um, human sacrifice is one of the biggest doorways of all. Hmm. Um, when the Bible talks about the life is in the blood, the concept, where does the human spirit attach? Like when we die, the spirit leaves. Uh, in my view, I believe it has a, a, a some kind of where the the immaterial connects to the material level of our being uh, is the spirit, uh, the blood. Well, in the sense, it's it's almost as though uh, we are um, in these bodies, but there's a connection on the physical sense, and it has something to do with the blood. Um, now, when it comes to what are demons attracted to? Well, they're they're attracted to blood. We know that in Scripture. They're t- attracted to human sac, and they desire and want human sacrifice. That's clear. Uh, it's as though those are the 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 known doorways they desire. They con, con- you know they would uh, come around. They want to enter into. Uh, it's the things that appease them. It's the things that. Uh, or could be done where where practitioners could get favors from the actual spirits that show up. So when it comes, and here's how the underground is explained to me at late night, talking at a secretive place, 
in reference to human sacrifice. They gave me pages that talked about how to lift and arch the back so as to slide the knife in to get right to the heart. Sometimes you can get to it before it quits beating. They gave details of how they do the human sacrifice uh, with babies and with adults, prolong the pain, prolong the torture. Uh, one of the ones were involved in two ritual uh, slaughters of a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old here locally. Um, done in ritual format, the stabbing of like 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 times. The bloodletting draws demons. The uh, torture, um, the fear, the frantic fear, it is believed, causes a release chemically in the blood. Uh, they believe it literally charges the, the demons. In their view, I'm just saying, mm -hmm, they right. say the demons literally, it's like they grip the blood. They grip the human energy of pain. Even when there's sexual perversity that involves arousal, but in a perverse way, they grab a that's what they grab a hold of. It's like that becomes the doorway. They're sliding in. So the, the reason for the torture, the blood, the, the terror, the prolonging of it, is to bring and pull in as much demonic you know, presence uh, to house into that torture, into that, uh, and to attach right into that person going through everything so that when they do the final thing, the killing, when, the, when, the, when that occurs then the demonic presence that has attached to and have been feeding off the fear, the energy of the fear, the torture, pain, all that, then they're there and can be released into the practitioner at the death of the victim. Mm -hmm. um, that's how they receive powers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I only say to discuss this for our listeners, not, not to just unduly frighten them without purpose, but that we have so many millions of people children who disappear, uh, many of them who have been found with these kind of things done to them, uh, either sexual or physical torture, uh, other people who, you know, runaways, people who have been picked up, um, that there is an explanation, at least for some number of these, that it was not just some kind of impulsive activity of individuals, but the numbers of people who disappear are in the hundreds of thousands, if I remember right. In yeah, I mean it's it's, it's, it's a lot. absurd. Yes, the amount of people who disappear, and this is an explanation for a large number of these people, is it not? It sure is. And any anybody any victim of satanic ritual abuse, which I can totally assume they'll be listening to this, uh, they might even email you and acknowledge some of the things that have been said. Uh, you have them there in Nashville. You have them there. It, 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 there's not a city I've been to yet that does not have satanic, ritually abused people. Now, that means if you find one in a city, there's usually another 30, 40, up to 200 mm -hmm. over the last 20, 30, 40 years. So you have, even if you say 20 of them that, that have gone through dozens and dozens, this means in your city that dozens and dozens of these kind of rituals have gone on. Now, they're not all death wins. They can be bloodletting but not kill. They can be sexual, perverted things where they want to transfer demons into the victim. Uh, they want to, you know, and, and part of it is this. They want to acquire the demons for themselves. They want to transfer it into victims. They want to conjure spirits to be present and attentive, just like Revelation 16, and then command them through the, the rites of the ritual to go after their enemies, mm -hmm. pastors, leaders, church. Now, that's the biggest thing that I think churches need to hear nowadays is the level of warfare. 
I, we have engaged this. We've been taken to the sites. We have engaged it face-to-face with individuals with ancient languages they spoke, calling on Aramaine, targeting us. The conjuring and then the targeting of those demons after pastors, after churches, is uh, in, in unprecedented numbers. And uh, I, I, that's part of the reason for the series we're doing, to give the factors... And there are so many churches now that we've been to after damage has been done. Uh, people say, well, I, you know, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, we hear this all the time now because the rituals are done and the sending of the demons are done just before 3. Hmm. That's just how they work. Hmm. Okay. Well, speaking of the activities uh, of these human uh, uh, henchmen uh, for this activity and the empowering that comes from these rituals, can you explain some of the kind of powers, physical powers, or, <clears throat> or others that you've seen from these hum- <coughs> excuse me, human followers? Uh, what are the kind of superhuman kind of things that are unexplainable that can only be explained spiritually that they've exhibited uh, in your in your presence? Sure, they they have had the almost like charismatic giftings. Uh, they have the ability to perceive to well telekinesis. Uh, reading people, seeing into the spirit realm, projecting powers against you. Um, if they have and acquired, you know, demons within them, and they're and they're trained in this area, they can also, like again, Revelation 16, out of their mouth, out of them, they can send the demons against somebody. Uh, they can speak a curse and send a demon against somebody. Uh, they have powers that will cause them to be able to feel your presence if you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have powers in the conjuring. They can send a curse, of course. But they have supernatural They can get out of their bodies and ask to project. Now, here's another issue in the area of remote viewers, even though Edgar Mitchell and others have said, oh, this is only a human activity. It's all human. It's just human consciousness. Well, that's a lie, and I want to say that you know, very, very boldly. Every single remote viewer that I've read, studied, engaged, and even did deliverance with, they're enhanced from what they call the collective unconscious or the Akashic records where the data, the revelation comes down into them and connects them. And the enhancement, though we have human capacity to receive Christ, to know Christ, to know his power, even when gifts of the Spirit are in us as believers – it comes in and through our human capacities. Well, it's the same thing on the other side. They call it a third eye, where mm-hmm. their eye is open. Well, look at Ephesians chapter 1, when Paul prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know the hope, the inheritance, the incomparable power. The Spirit of God would then, in us, enlighten the power. Inwardly, the eyes of our heart means the, the power to perceive, understand, take in, experience mm-hmm. so God you know for us uh, as a human being we have the ability to experience spiritually we're created for it but we're supposed to be experiencing God and his power and love and so forth well that same it's like a car you know the the hardwiring can also be opened up by the dark side right and a concept of third eye they can see to the dead conjure the dead engage they can begin to have a a synchronicity with demons to where demons come and go to inform uh, uh, and and or call them to things. 
there's some people we've engaged that in the beginning days they outwitted us. They out, I mean, they outdid. I mean, it's like they knew when we were 20 yards away that we were there. They, it was incredible to see some of the things. Uh, but it, it's it's kind of like counterfeit charismatic giftings. Any they can speak in tongues. All of them. Do. Every every underground Satanist multiple that I dealt with has something within them that speaks in a counterfeit languages that when we cast the demon out of that part of them, they couldn't do it any longer. When they were able to once leave their body and go out into the plane or or even go to attack somebody, mm -hmm. astral attack, um, when the demon power that enabled them is commanded out and gone, they can't do it any longer. Mm. So and, it's supernaturally and, enhanced. And what people think of in, in the simplest form, when I've seen you know, movies or things about demonic possession, about even just supernatural physical power, uh, physical strength. You've also encountered that as well, too. Unmistakable, just superhuman physical strength along with these other powers as well, correct? Oh, oh, we yeah, we've, we've been beat up a few times. Well, when I say that, I mean staff members and stuff and dealing with demon. demon we had a federal officer's wife, could be but 105 pounds. But when she switched to a demonized cult personality, powerful demon presence, it was immediately seen, sensed, the whole countenance, everything, and how quick. They were quick, stronger. They numerous times, this little lady, lady uh, threw staff members around, uh, got away from people. Um, uh, yeah, unbelievably. That's why when you think in terms of in the future, this – Black Awakening concept. Mm -hmm, right. Um, when the programming that is demonized, just like you and I have been empowered, they're now empowered to do what they've been programmed. So when it, it's like the jack in the box. When the lid is off and they pop out, and when they start, when we've seen it individually, uh, there's, again, the time that I'm in my office, like I, I'm sitting there, Michael, I, I, uh, I'm, I have a sergeant in uniform that brings his wife in. She's sitting there. And as I begin to talk to her a little bit, she's passive, docile looking. I'm talking a little bit. I'm starting to write notes. Next thing I know, I feel something hit my head, go into the desk, slam into the desk. I look up. She's her glassy, you know, eye, her eyes are blackened. Her face is contorted. And a bayonet had just gone past my head, stuck into the desk. It was so quick. It was so fast. I, I, I've seen this happen again and again now. Uh, we have to do, take a lot of measures at times to really, uh, you know, be careful with this issue. But when they switch and the demonic power is there, they have superhuman strength, quickness, and ability. And and uh, and the only thing we've ever been able to do is physically take them down, mm -hmm. engaging them in a, in a in a deliverance sense of commanding the demon because they don't want to let the demon go at this point right we've we've had some that just they they fight they want they they even use ancient languages to call other demons to help it's it's a it's 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 pretty uh it's a it's a pretty heavy thing but mm -hmm. i will say this uh every demonic entity in people on people that we've ever dealt with every one that we've dealt with where they've actually spoke to us they are terrified of jesus christ Maybe. they don't care they don't care about Quetzalcoatl. They don't care about Buddha Muhammad. They don't care about Alice Bailey. You know, they don't care about any of these people. They don't care about Maitreya. They, 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 they hate. On the one hand, they hate, but are terrified of Jesus. And mm -hmm. um, the second thing is, they all know that there is a coming judgment. Hmm. 
which is the exact testimony the demons gave of the demoniac. Yeah. Uh, they were terrified of Jesus when he approached approached him, and they said, "Is now the day that you're going to send us to the abyss?" Mm-hmm. And their and their their uh, storyline hasn't changed. No, not uh, at all. You know, I, I brought that up uh, that description, not not in a sensational sense, but for any skeptics in our office and in our audience, including those who just happen to turn on the radios and not heard our show or very love it, uh, and have assumed they may be church going people, and have assumed that. These things are just a handful of, quote, nuts out there, and that those who, have, who say these kind of things are experiencing deep psychological disturbances and, and, and things like this, that that cannot explain what you and others have encountered. That alone cannot, and, and, and you cannot rely solely on Christian psychologists alone to solve these deep spiritual problems that seem to be growing and manifesting in a large degree in our culture, correct? Correct. It's unprecedented in numbers, in force, and in manifestation. Even 30 years ago, I, I, you know, now it's just what we see now is, is just, you know, unprecedented. And, um, and that's true in Europe and every place else too, but that's, that's part of what biblical prophecy said would occur. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, we'll have unequaled numbers, unequaled levels, unequaled counterfeit demonstration of, of, I mean, even the visible demonstration of powers, um, their abilities to, you know, counterfeit healing and counterfeit all kinds of stuff. There is vast supernatural power that can be accessed, but in accessing the dark side, the factors are always the same. Once one demon comes in, they somehow want to, you, I call it satanic synchronicity, they want more to come in. They want to lead a person to more and more and more and more. Because they've now made like, well, the person has become like a doorway now. Because right. they can come in, and they can also come through that person. Mm-hmm. And that's and, why they uh, t- turn so, into legion. Absolutely. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, kind of a little bit freaked out by uh, about all this stuff, but yeah. much less than the first visit. But I don't know. This was a pretty intense week. I mean, we were yeah. talking about <laughs> human sacrifice and mm-hmm. the kind of powers that uh, mm-hmm. these people get. Uh you know, in your average churches, you don't ever hear this kind of stuff actually talked about or even acknowledge that it's there. Mm-hmm. And I think they like to stay undercover. They like to stay behind the scenes and not let anybody know what they're doing. Well, because, you know, I mean, they all fear Jesus, as, as, as Pastor Russ pointed mm-hmm. out, you know. Right. If they're discovered, then us believers can just drop right. the Jesus hammer on them. Well, you know, I think pastors are probably afraid of scaring people. But uh, sometimes people need to be aware of dark spiritual forces because they need to run to the light of Jesus Christ, even Christians, sure. to be energized, strengthened, drawn close to him so that they can get out of the battlefield. Well, you know, I mean, never mind. I'm not well, going to say anything. Someone else who could battle is Merv, who could tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. 
Sorry, we got to go. That's okay. It's okay. okay. It, was, it was probably something that didn't need to be said. So. Yeah. Well, come back tomorrow for an next installment with Russ Dizdar. Till then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, uh, no fan of, well, no fan of any of the enemy's activities. Bionic. Yeah, at least you're consistent. Yeah. Uh, we need to go quickly uh, because we have our last installment with Pastor Ristizdar, Director of Shadow the Darkness Ministries and host of Preemption Radio Broadcast, talking about evidence of occult power structures and church infiltration in communities. Uh, it's a stirring last section. So here's Pastor Russ, and we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Uh, I want to switch subjects here and talk about satanic infiltration of our local churches. And can you start by explaining the example we have in Scripture uh, of satanic infiltration as talked about in Acts chapter 5? And can you explain about in the current day other ways that you have observed such infiltration? I think that uh, biblical revelation, Acts chapter 5, gives the evidence that Satan seeks that infiltration. He did it when the Lord's, t- you know, the Lord's Last Supper. You know, he was right in the room. J- Jesus said Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He was there to enter into Judas. None, none of the other guys knew that. Jesus did. Uh, he's always got the heads up, but they didn't know. So in Acts 5, the same thing's attempted. Ananias and Sapphira, the Greek word means they tested, the idea of testing to the point of um, pulling the wool over the eyes of the church. Well, in that lie, Satan was able to come in them, because Peter later says, how did you let Satan so fill? The Greek word is the same word for us to be filled with the Spirit. So Satan sought to fill them, come into them and then into the church, but this time, filled with the Spirit of God, discernment, maybe it was the word of knowledge, I don't know, um, Peter knew exactly what occurred. Now, obviously, when they both died, Ananias and Sapphira fell. You know, demons. One thing's very clear: demons do not stay in dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 have to leave. They can't. There's nothing to attach to no longer. So the same concepts there. We find this in Galatians, where uh, Paul talks about the infiltrators to spy on our freedom in a different way. Um, but we also have the idea again of the creation of the terrors right alongside. Now, here's what we found over, you know, all these years. In underground, the, the deep underground Luciferic system, in the creation of what they call chosen ones, another term is Babylon working babies. Um, the idea, again, of taking little ones and then splitting, and then each personality they form, a, form, form inside of them, they trained, one could be a priestess, one could be a cutter, one could be a runner, one could be an assassin, one could be a fighter, one could be an informant, one could be an enforcer, one could be a protector. And each one is programmed, each one is trained, and some are demonized, others are not. And yet when they develop, what we have found is the purposeful, planned, trained ability to infiltrate churches. I believe now, as we've gone backwards, that infiltration broadly started, broadly started, you know, went on before this, but broadly in the 70s, that uh, throughout the 90s, 
I have no question now that thousands and thousands of churches and ministries. Let me mention one ministry down south where a, a man and his wife you know, started one of the first TV things. And, of course, you know the end of it, PPL, he collapsed. He was with that woman. Mm-hmm. There was a false prophet that was involved that brought him the woman. A multiple. We've seen this again and again now as we're tracking backwards, where many of these pastors that have fallen, many of the churches that we've been at that have been damaged and, and hit up, a highly trained Satanist undergrounder mm-hmm. that has subpersonalities comes to a church to be like, um, well, help me, uh, I'm here to be helped, please let me be a part of your church. Now, in my book, I give detailed principles. They like to associate with leaders. They want to you know, like what you like. They want to bond with you. They want to get in. But when the upfront person that's talking to you and you're ministering to, that's one thing. But they have sub-personalities, demonized, highly trained, that are co-conscious looking at you. They're wanting to do warfare, bring into the church demonized objects that can bring curses and sickness and confusion. Mm -hmm. They usually, if you detect and find out there's one, now you realize this person has been sent. And you're engaging them. Please realize this means probably that other coven members have already visited and that they are connected to an outside coven group that the group itself has been doing conjuring of spirits, sending them against the church. The method is an outside group like the one that we dealt with, they had on a grid map, every church in northeast Ohio was on a grid map. And the ones that were color-coded that they felt was a problem they began from their coven to conjure demons and send them there to begin an attack. Then they would send somebody there to make contact. And then little by little get into the church, little by little, you know, they have personalities that would seek to uh, compromise the pastor. So you have the spiritual side of demonic presence, curses, the release of demonic presence. Then you have this trained ability of their... They're, they're going to weasel their way in. They want to bring corruption. They want to stop prayer. Uh, they want to cause division. Um, and uh, the trouble is that some of the churches and ministries that where we have heard fall, you know, the failures, the falling of people, uh, the collapsing of stuff, uh, these kind of uh, infiltrating, trained, um, say Satanists or Luciferians, um, they have been now that's part of what we've done. We've not only engaged them in the nineties, but we've been tracking them mm-hmm. and uh we we wanted to go after them at churches where they're at and uh and bring disruption to them and uh bring exposure to them. And so, do you do you recommend that pastors in a community trade notes regularly on people like church, this they see and have suspicions and take a more active role in trying to identify that activity? Exactly. In the series we're doing right now, and again, the series is absolutely free, um, the series that deals with dark rituals, dark powers, there'll be a number of uh, the sessions that deal just with input. How do you detect if in your local congregation one of these individuals are there? If you've never detected a multiple, demonized, highly trained, with sub-personalities that can speak up to five other languages, conjure demons, harp... And, and those inside personalities have been involved in uh, 
uh, child uh, pedophilia. They've been involved in child rape. They've been involved in sex rituals. Mm -hmm. They've been involved in drinking blood. I mean, the inside personalities have done everything. I assume these people are going to want to even find ministries like in the children's ministries to work and go find strategic places like that. That's where they target. They listen. They're driven from the inside to get into the children's ministry. Um, and even if they cause some kind of molestation, guess what happens publicly? Mm-hmm. The newspapers say right. local church, you know, a child molestation from the youth pastor. Well, was the youth pastor a multiple uh, that that had gotten his way in? We had one guy here locally. We had eight victims of his, highly damaged victims. We went after him again and again and again, and um, finally we had a victim where there was a 12-year-old that it was an m- ugly, ugly situation. Listen, Michael, I finally said, God, we prayed, whatever it takes, stop this man. He won't, he won't listen to us. He won't engage us. We have so many victims. This little 12-year-old, uh, it was so terrible. And I'm just telling you a true story. He died 10 days later. Now, mm. after he died, though, people came forward, counselors from... Uh, another city here in Ohio came forward. Uh, the calculations were 200 victims. The yeah. same man, the same man, uh, went around to title pastor. He was preaching in some churches. One of the large national women's ministries he was preaching at. And then I got a call in the middle of the night. He was on Christian television. So up front, you could hear him say he could play. He could play Amazing Grace on the piano. He can get up and speak and preach and prophesy on people and he looked like a uh somewhat you know he, he seemed like a charismatic preacher kind of guy but mm-hmm. there was some kind of like question but yet people were applauding we sent a team in where he was doing his stuff we, we sent them right into where he was doing it and sure enough he's playing amazing grace he's preaching people are applauding he's going around laying hands on people um prophesying over them doing stuff people are amazed and yet the same night he's tracked, we have a victim that has been sexually, pervertedly, I mean utterly used. Uh, his, he's had a personality created within him to only uh, answer the phone for this perverted guy. Uh, this guy was bad. He was bad news all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you, had an, you had an Ezekiel chapter 8 experience where all you looked in a house of worship and you found wickedness that had made its way in. And it's not just the temple in Ezekiel 8. It's all of our houses of worship that rather than repelling these forces, they see an opportunity to get behind our enemy lines and wreak havoc as well. Well, they do. And that's, again, that is the, see, there's the origins of evils, you know, the fallen cherub demons. Mm -hmm. There's the nature. There's the methodology. There's, and what most are missing, there's a real agenda. There's a real playbook that God has given us and spelled out in prophetic revelation, saying this is what he's doing, this is what he'll do, this is what he'll do. So there's a sequence to the development, but the methodology is very very much the same. Uh, there's this secret hiddenness, uh, this, this coming into, and I'm telling you what, we've engaged, part of it has been some infiltrators that have done deep damage, but when we eventually engaged, it did deliverances, had power encounters, and they finally turned themselves over to the Lord. This is where, you know, from their mouth, I can tell you named, and again, I don't blame the churches, I don't blame the Mm -hmm. nationally known evangelists if I named them. I don't blame them per se, because these people 
Uh, they're not like some Satanist walking with a hood saying, I'm Satanist and uh, the devil's yeah. curse on you. They're not doing that. They're coming in demonstrating uh, a vulnerability and a meekness and a quietness, yet what the stuff that's inside, Michael, is so lethal, they would eat your children. They are so mm -hmm. lethal that um, their goal is to let, release spiritual presence that would maybe uh, eventually draw the pastor to confusion, headaches, sickness, and get in there and talk to the pastor and cry and say, they, they'll all create episodes where they need to talk to the pastor alone again and again. Mm -hmm. They want to corrupt the pastor, bring him down. Mm -hmm. They want to go after prayer. They want to create division. They want to give objects. If they're giving up, giving books, giving things to people, and they're always giving, give, you know, and you but you know what? Every object that a real infiltrator, infiltrator will give will be a demonized, cursed object meant to bring more confusion, more division, more harm uh, in every way. And they love it. They revel in damaging churches. So they need to even that the, the gifts people bring, new people in the church, uh, that act very spiritual, bring these kind of things. Watch that fruitcake. Be, be, be very careful. What you have. Are there any kind of typical features of these, these particular talismans or whatever it is they use, these, uh, these things that have these cursed spirits in them that they, oh, they, they can be, up? yeah, any kind of gift object where they come, again, where the individual that came in that seems like a victim or seems like they need to help, they just seem to, and they want to, they will always want to be next to the pastor. Again, when, when it all, I mean, you know, somebody might give you something at church here and there, but when they're given this one and given this one, it's over. It's an overdue as far as the giving. But yeah, mm -hmm. they, it depends on what the assignment is. Mm -hmm. uh, they will even plant things in offices or plant symbols or demonize. You know, objects they've used in blood rituals. They bring right in mm -hmm. that are supposed to be charged demonic. They bring right in. They might hide it in the church. Um, mm -hmm. And and Tom, the truth is, they've done it with food, blood, mm -hmm. and urine. And and, deem, and again, with conjuring, uh, they all bring food in that's literally, well, I would not say cursed, but would be nasty. Uh, and we've, oh, yeah. we've stopped it. We've, we've engaged it directly. I threw an entire cake out. Um, I'm telling you, this is the truth. That's why whenever I go mm -hmm. anywhere, and people get mad at me sometimes, uh, I eat nothing and drink nothing at any con at anybody right. gives me that, that I don't see, you know, right in right. front of me. Um it's happened too many times. Well, um, it looks like that, wow. uh, and we're getting near the end of our show here, but it looks like to me these kind of things are so subtle that we can only detect them with spiritual eyes, which means that our our prayer teams at our churches, I mean, every every person involved in a local fellowship has a responsibility, but particularly our prayer teams, people that are gifted in prayer, need to take these kind of issues that are part of their regular prayer time that they go, whether it's during the worship service or other times that they meet, prayer chains. This needs to be part of the the, the, the whole prayer uh, procedure that we use at our fellowship of prayer warriors. Can, can you comment on that and how the power of prayer can actually interact and counteract these forces and expand the kingdom of God in the spirit realm? And I think that's a vital issue because right now we're in the midst of looking for another church. We've been in one for two years and you know, I've been a pastor 30, and now we're out. And so, you know, we're going to these churches, and we're, you know, I just kind of sat back finally and said, you know, I began to, you know, accumulate how much, like 38 seconds of prayer collectively, totally in the local church. 
And I'm, I'm just, see, I'm out of my mind on this issue right now because it's like, here's the house of prayer and there's 38, 50 seconds of prayer, whatever. Um, that's why they're able to do what they're doing because there is not this sense of awareness. Let me give one verse. It's Colossians 2, 4, where God says, commands us, be devoted to prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. Now, be devoted to prayer is massively vital for every believer. Um, and then it says, being watchful. Well, anybody can look up the Greek word, look up the definition, look up how it's used. It says, it literally means, opposite of being passive, being massively attentive, looking for impending danger. Um, that's a part of a practice, though. We, we, we begin to build that. So when I go to churches, you know, I'm joining a fellowship, giving people hugs, you know, praying for the pastor, praying while they're praying for the church. But I'm also then praying, Lord, if there's any demonic presence, assignments against this church, I pray for the exposure of it. If there's anything I need to pray against. See, most churches, they'll pray for some things. I don't know of any churches that pray collectively against targeting this kind of thing. I think we should be. Mm-hmm. I think we should use the authority of Christ in targeting. So what I do when I go places, and this is how even lately I've detected right in one fellowship, sure enough, there's a multiple. There's, and are, is it a chosen one? Are they there on assignment? Um, I don't let them know right away. But one large church I was at, I turned around. It's the weirdest feeling. I turned around. I look clear across there, and I see a man staring at me. He walks up to me. He says, we felt you, you know, as you walked into this building. This is a guy who is a multiple uh, Satanist you know, practitioner infiltrating that church. Earlier in the service, he has demonized subpersonalities, practices demonic worship. Early in the service, he has the mic up front, 800 members, 800 people. He has the mic giving testimony, saying a few things, people are clapping. But on the other side, he knew, because we, already, we were tracking him, mm-hmm. and uh, we knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And he died. And matter of fact, he died. Uh, he's only twenty, twenty-seven years old. But um, uh, it's that kind of thing. Uh, if you begin to pray, Lord Jesus, show us anything demonic attacking our church, like Jesus gave a heads up to the disciples, or that church in Revelation where he said, "Satan's coming to put some of you in prison." Jesus will give us a heads up if we're attuned to the Spirit of God, who's greater in us than that, that than all this stuff in the world. You know, all the right. demonic stuff. But we have to be active in obedience to the word, looking. You know, we need to have a little engagement. Last Sunday, I had great joy, praising God, listened to a good message, looking at the scripture, giving my money, you know, all those kind of things. But I include in all those things spiritual warfare prayer, alertedness to see if there's anything going on. And if there is, then to act on it. Right. And uh, uh, I I assume, too, that... um we, you, you have to take these particular you know, actions for the betterment of of the uh, church itself and be aware like this. But um, I'm, I'm not quite sure how I want, I want to bring up about the about what I'm thinking about. Hey, we're, we're running out of time, and I want to cover uh, a little bit about the Last Days 2010 conference that you have coming up. Because if I get on another topic, I'm realizing our clock is a little late here. Okay. Um, I sure hope that uh, if the Lord sees fit, you have time even to attend our local fellowship and would certainly like any kind of yeah, suggestions or guidance you have for us as well, too, because this is something that really got got my heart stirred as well as uh, other of our listeners as well, too, and so much more I want to ask you. But c- can you share a little bit about the Last Days 2010 conference, uh, your, your your talk, 
what people will expect if they get a chance to come on April 23rd and 24th. I understand you'll speak on both days, and if you could share just a little bit about what you hope to accomplish there. Sure. Um, this really began with Tom Dunn, a, a good friend who set up the conferences here. He wanted to set one up down there, and it's really blossomed, and uh, and he's really excited about it, and I'm excited about it. Uh, April 23rd, April 24th, of course, uh, you're going to be speaking there. Chris Pinto's going to be speaking there. Mm-hmm. Guy Malone, Joe Jordan. Um, Mr. Bionic sitting next to yeah, me. Tom Bionic, <laughs> yeah, Tom's going to be speaking there. And uh, Lynn Marzulli is going to be speaking. It's going to be really, I think, again, as far as all the guys that I see now coming down there, and what this will set in the stage for what's Because, see, I've already been with – we've already done a few littler ones. Now, this is becoming bigger and broader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's why I'm really praying, and I urge, absolutely urge, for a cutting-edge, uh, preemptive, you know, kind of conference like this that will really help what everybody feels, what everybody's seeing. Now they can get some definitions and some clarity and some clear biblical factors on these issues and what to do about it. So I'll be doing a lot with this series. I'll be touching on the issue of uh, the dark rituals, dark powers, and uh, the new levels of warfare, uh, what the church needs to be able to be attentive to and aware of. Then I'll get into the numbers mm-hmm. factor and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and just bring it down to the, the real war that we're in spiritually and that it's not in any way going to subside. It mm-hmm. is only going to, uh, uh, by, 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 well, it's going to be just doubled, tripled, quadrupled in the days to come. Mm-hmm. So if we're not prepared now, how are we going to be prepared when we really have even more? Uh, right. and, and it's not that we can't be prepared. We, we should be at, at on target as the early church was. Uh, they had Satan coming in all over. Every false prophet, every false teacher, like Paul talked about the ferocious wolves coming in among you, um, that, those are all demonized people. The Gnostics were, the Nicolaitans were, the early mm-hmm. church. They knew all of this. The book of First John's written as a massive spiritual discernment guide uh, for the early church and for us right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we vitally need this conference. I am grateful to God because I heard your uh, uh, session in Roswell uh, and just, listen, Mike didn't pay me for this, but it was one of the best uh, overview wow. pictures. I'm serious when I say this, that it was... Because nobody else is doing it, Mike. That's the issue. Yeah. And uh, what you brought out was was uh, absolute vital. It's not been done down even in Roswell, not that level. Mm-hmm. Not giving it the way you gave it and where you came from in your own experience of encountering uh, uh, kind of the uh, apex of one of the seed groups. That's right. The age groups. You know? That's right. Right at the United Nations level, the top level mm-hmm. internationally. It, you know, uh, anybody who listened to your talk here. Um, during this week's show, uh, I know already wants to come to the conference, if anything, just to hear you speak. And I'm confident in that. Yeah. And I would suggest they go to your website at shatteredthedarkness.net and, and actually um, do their pre-study of this series. They've got a lot to read. Therefore, they'll be more informed, be able to ask better questions. And, you know, I thought, I know we've just got a couple minutes here, I thought of where my mind was blocked uh in, in talking about what we can do in the future, and we've got maybe two minutes if you can add it most of that. But but what I was trying to uh, get to was in this attitude of prayer and seeking discernment. I'm sure as a body of believers as well as individuals, we need to seek if there's sin in our life, besetting sins in a fellowship or congregation or ourselves that can help strengthen these powers as well 
and that could inhibit our discernment powers to see this kind of spiritual warfare going on. Is that a part of it? And and if so, anything else in, a, in about oh, a minute sure. and a half you can give us advice on uh, what we need to do with this information. Absolutely. And I, and I believe, again, even as we do the conference, I believe that it's an, a spiritually impacting, I mean, there's going to be a lot of prayer to it, but we hope that it's like Acts chapter 4. We hope that it's going to be massively empowering. Uh, but it involves that, yes, that we need to repent of our, our lack. We need to repent of our what we haven't put into practice. Uh, we need to put uh, repent of, uh, concerning the doorways we you know have opened up. But we again, lack of knowledge, what we don't know, uh, can can really uh, damage us and weaken us. And uh, so we hope that uh, both that can be seen and that we can be brought up to par. Uh, we're to be powerful. We're to be strong. Our prayers are to be fierce, and especially now in this battle for America that we're seeing going on mm-hmm. more than ever. Well, you know, you are an embodiment of the example uh, that we try to tell our listeners here. It's like a cross between Van Helsing and Mother Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard that one before. That's great. (laughs) We we tell our, our Christian believers that listen here that, you know, so much of our books, our Christian books, the things that you hear are about self-help. They're about self-help. Yeah, they're about trying to get our personal life together, get our head together and things. And it's like we're in sick bay in God's army. And we spend all our time in sick bay. And we're happy with that because all the attention is given to us on our sick bed. When we need to get out, pull our bootstraps up and go grab a rifle in God's army and take the front lines and get out of our shell shocked, our battle fatigue, and get out there and fight and be part of the spiritual battle that's going on. And I think you set the example for that. And I hope our show can help encourage people to get over their petty personal problems. You know, there's a times of crisis in all of our lives, in seasons of it, but that should not be the standard, the norm for Christians. Their time should be spent out on the edge of the battlefield. And I thank you so much for your example for that. And in closing, can you tell our listeners how they can obtain your teaching and other materials as well as keep up with your other research? Sure, the central uh, website would be www.shatterthedarkness, all one word, shatterthedarkness.net. And, and again, there, uh, take your time, hundreds of MP3s, a lot of teaching series, materials, the books outline, you know, is there, mm-hmm. take a look at and all that. So shatterthedarkness.net, even bios on our background if you want to know more about us and Mm-hmm. beliefs and all that kind of stuff. It's all there. Mm-hmm. That's a good portal to enter. We recommend that portal <laughs> for, for our listeners. Uh, we left a bunch of questions on the table, and we need to have you back to finish them. But our listeners can go to your website and get that study material and actually be be more up to speed. And I think this is a good groundwork for them to do it. Thank you so much, Pastor Dizdar, for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next month uh, right here in Nashville. That's going to be great. Look forward to it. Thank you. Okay. God bless. Bye. God bless. Good night. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom likes to pray bionic. I'm glad you like to pray. Any last words to wrap up for this, Dark? Man, people really need to heed what he's saying. People need to be in prayer about this stuff. People really need to listen for a change instead of flipping the channel and going to like mm-hmm. what makes them feel good. And people also need to listen to Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. 
Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We've got like five seconds. Merv makes me feel good. Well, come back for tomorrow's Tremors. Tomorrow, until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom with the lapdog, Bionic. You call him the lapdog. That's Pyro, who is our staff member here. And it's good to be back with Mascot you again. Mascot and staff member and... For another Friday here at Future Quake. Moral compass. Perhaps. Being Friday, what does that mean, Tom Bionic? It, what it is it today? Revelation 18 News. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's close enough. Tomorrow's Tremors or today's review of the future's news. It's <laughs> funny. You're like not even bothering to ask anymore. Uh, I'm too winded to do Revelation's that. Revelation 18 News. Oh, yeah, that's fine. It's Whatever. been a long week. Hey, uh, how's your week been, Mr. Bionic? Oh, I haven't been, seen you. I've been on assignment. Yeah, no, it's been not quite not quite as wild as y'all's, but pretty wild. Yeah. 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 But you've been all right? Oh, I got all my fingers and toes. So. Okay. All right. Well, since you refer to that, I'll say this and then get out of the way, okay? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not at liberty to share with you uh, something I have going on. It involves some other people you know and love. Uh, but I will just say that in our, our quest... To better understand the things we look at here and certain issues in particular, uh, we are at a point where we need your prayers for protection and for enlightenment. And that's all I'm at liberty to say right now. But for myself and for a few other people who you respect and know that are fellow truth seekers, um, there are certain things going on right now that we will let you know soon, but it will be earth-shattering when you hear it. And uh, our time is not in vain uh, doing what we do here at Future Quake and others like us. Let me just say that. But I only bring this up because it's really not advisable to bring up more right now other than to say please pray for protection for Dr. Future and his associates and and for wisdom. And uh, I'm very, very serious about this, and I would appreciate your prayers. It's not something you'll know about overnight, but it will be very soon. So. Heavy stuff. That's it. Okay, yeah. so enough said of that. Yeah. You got anything? Uh... Well, uh, after that heavy stuff, let me lighten the mood here a little bit. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, do we want to hear about, you want a shorter story or longer story? Yeah, let's go shorter. Okay. We always I've got it. a short one, too. So okay. Synagogue bomb suspects. Quote, the feds put us up to it. Uh, this is via the NBC New York. Defense attorneys say an alleged plot to bomb New York synagogues was hatched and directed by a federal informant. Lawyers for four men from Newburgh have filed a motion to dismiss the terror indictment against them. They said the informant badgered the defendants until they got involved in the plot. They said the informants chose the targets, supplied fake bombs for the synagogues, and a fake missile to shoot down planes. The motion said he also uh, said he also offered to pay the defendants who attorneys alleged weren't inclined toward any crime until the informant began recruiting them. The government well knew that their case had been a government-inspired creation from day one and that the defendants have not been independently seeking weapons or targets, the motion said. Federal court spokesman Herb Haddad said the government would file its response next month.
The four men who were arrested last May face up to life in prison if convicted. They have been previously identified as James Cromedy, David Williams, Ante Williams, uh, Legree Payen, all of Newburgh in upstate New York, uh, most younger gentlemen in their early, late 20s, early 30s, where authorities were conducting raids at their homes, uh, sources said. Authorities have said that the plotters under surveillance, had, they had the plotters under surveillance since June of 2008, and there was no chance the alleged scheme could succeed. <laughs> okay. They credited the work of a longtime informant with keeping tabs on the group. The FBI has said the Muslim suspects were angry and full of hate for America. Hmm. There you have it. Okay. What's your interpretation of that? Well, uh, given that given that the Christmas Day bomber, they've admitted that you know it was a federal uh, a government agent that that walked him onto the airplane. You know, as part of like that's in the news. Right. And uh, they tried to run down uh, uh, Mr. Haskell, the lawyer who alleged all that stuff from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I'd have to say that I'm to tend to be inclined to believe the um, uh, defendants, hmm. at least in part. I mean, who knows what the real truth well, is? But over and over again, we've shown that yeah. our government is capable of doing this, and therefore, mm-hmm. very very little we can take at face value. Indeed. That doesn't mean that everybody else tells the truth. We don't mean to no, say no, that because no, no. you're a I mean, terrorist or somebody gets their government, you're immediately true. Yeah. But you cannot presume, particularly when you go into actions that will result in loss of life of people, mm-hmm. based upon what these people because they're, quote, authorities. Yeah. And the Bible should make that clear to us, like we've said many times before, and why are we sure so silly to not expect that? Sometimes, I Sometimes I wonder if we need to do... Um, like, I don't know, just really start from one and just kind of build that whole thing over a 90-minute thing, just you and I, mm-hmm. because, I don't, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe we just need to keep doing what they're doing. Instead our our futurians who listen over time, I think, has probably been knocked in their head. They probably get sick of it, I don't know. Yeah. New people, this is a shock to them. Sure. And I have something. Can I share a couple emails? Yeah, hit That's us just up come email, up. too. Uh, I was able to just catch up with them emails. Uh, I was uh, reading some of the last few days when I was gone. Um this, these were about the Chris Pinto show, which I knew would oh. generate some controversy, yep. which always makes Future Quake interesting. Uh, this is one from Bethany, uh, who says, Hello there. Uh, just trying to process through the latest interview with Chris Pinto. By the way, thank you very much for your bold stance regarding very controversial issues. It seems that I grew like you, Dr. Future, in a very traditional and patriotic church. My dad was also an Amway, which is very patriotic. So it was ingrained in me to love our country and do all the proper things to support it. In addition, my dad encouraged me to get to be involved in politics to an extent, very conservative. Um, so with all that, it has been very difficult for me to listen to some of your interviews about the truth behind our leaders and founding fathers. I am wondering, how do I separate what I've been taught over the last 30 years from this new information I've been exposed to over the last year and apply it to life as an American citizen? In particular, we homeschool our children, for which I am very grateful. I am wondering how should I teach my children so that they are not fed all the lies and sentiments I believe I've been bombarded with. How do I instill in them the proper perspective on our nation and not get caught up in what I now believe is ungodly reverence for it? It really seems that our nation is entrenched in a Babylonian culture, and I want to know practically how to guard myself against it and help my children as well. I hope this makes sense, and I guess that the more knowledge on the subject I can get, the more seeking the Lord I do, the better. Any thoughts or help on this would be much appreciated. Thanks and blessings, Bethany. 
I think those are very, very good questions. Those are just the kind of questions that if the Lord can use our show to help people begin Mm -hmm. to ask those questions, Mm -hmm. maybe you can, over time, develop strategies from listening to our show. But Mm -hmm. is there any kind of advice you have for her from your opinion? I would say you start with the Riger pain machine. You always mention that machine. And who's Mr. Riger? Oh, I don't know who he is, but it was the it was this thing that's mentioned in a lot of those uh, CIA documents about. Okay. You know, so people can do their homework. Yeah. Those that might be useful in a homeschool setting. Yeah, too, that's, well, that's kind of where I was machine. going. You know, yeah. I, I keep trying to get yeah. you know get them ready for a government yeah, uh, interaction. Yeah. No, seriously, seriously, uh, that's a very interesting question. How do you divorce yourself from this culture that you seem to be slowly entrenched in? Um, I can only speak about what has worked for me, and I don't, I mean, uh, not necessarily absolutes. I mm-hmm. would say take your TV and throw it out your window. That's probably a good start. Yeah, I think regardless of, of philosophy of government, that would be a be- beginning to stop the um, the nonstop advertisements that is your TV. And yeah. I'm not talking about commercials. I'm talking about the selling of ideology that goes nonstop, that mm-hmm. passes for news and even entertainment. These you know, days. And, and I would say it's even deeper than that. I was at the gym um so, uh, Sunday afternoon, you know, I did my usual little swim and then jump mm-hmm. on the recumbent bike and I had my um had my MP3 player and the new the new recumbent bikes have uh I haven't owned it been to a gym in, in years except for the last couple of months and the new recumbent bikes have these like TVs and there's like 100 mm-hmm. channels on the TV and everything so you can watch TV while yeah. you ride um, and I listen to, you know, Bible teaching and stuff. Okay. I was watching, you know, they have the mirror on the opposite wall, and I'm looking back at this, yeah. at these people watching TV while they're on the recumbent uh-huh. machinery and the, yeah. and the stair stepper and everything. They're all, they all look like they're hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, Probably you know, drooling. head cocked to one side, eyes glazed over. Mm-hmm. It was weird. And then. Getting, getting fed their yeah, message for their Yeah, and I could kind of lean back and look at what they were watching. Yeah. And you could see that. You know, it was funny because you could watch their face, and then when they came to, like, uh, a scary part of whatever they were watching, their face mm-hmm. would sort of, like, it wouldn't change much, but it would go from yeah. sort of mild euphoria yeah. to mild perturbation. Yeah. And then you'd look back, and, like, somebody's getting their head chopped off or something. Yeah. Well, the know? fluoride probably helps a little bit. helps them enter that trance state a little yeah. bit easier. There you go. You know, uh, one thing, if you're going to be programmed, whether it's your children or yourself, uh, I would say if you're going to program yourself, program yourself with the Bible. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna be uh, if your subconscious formed, why not form it on biblical principles and spend your time reading it? And one thing I'm gonna suggest to you, Bethany, is that, um, and this would be great to do with your kids, is to do a Bible study about government, about mm-hmm. how good biblical characters have dealt with government. What did you learn? What did they do right? What did they do wrong? And then there's some specifics when you get in the New Testament, even some in the Old Testament. But it would be a good word search. Get out your uh, uh, concordance. Uh, look about some keywords about rulers, government, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And and I would first say let the Bible form your opinions on things. And uh, I guess I would also say that you know we have people like Brother Chris Pinto, who I highly admire. He's a wonderful Christian man. Love him very much. Highly mm-hmm. respect him. I've learned a lot from his work. He and I don't always agree on everything. No, and I don't uh, even think you and I as, as much as we yeah, agree on things. We're about as t- Close. We're pretty close, but not not, not not perfect. I'll give you my quickie opinion about government. Um, I don't side with uh, the the people who say you do everything, uh, no matter what it is, because God puts every ruler in place, because my friend here, Brother Tom, points out, was it Habakkuk? I'm sorry, no, Hosea. Hosea. 
there are leaders in place he did not put in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if there's a situation where there are Jews that need to be hid from the Nazis or uh, slaves, you know, from slaveholders, uh, I'm going to do my conscience and not what. Mm-hmm. And those things aren't even directly about worshiping God or somebody else. But they're yeah. moral decisions um, that you, you, you had to make a call for yourself. Mm-hmm. But lastly, what I would say, um, until our Lord comes and rules with a rod of iron, to me, the best government we can have is a government that rules least. And I think the model God had was the era of the judges. When he sent, it says every man did what was right and according to his own eyes. They had the spiritual law. They knew spiritually what they needed to do. But that's what he had set up in the land until the people demanded a king. And he tried to talk them out of that, but he finally gave them what they wanted like the other nations. But uh, I think more of a more of a libertarian structure where you're accountable between you and God and your neighbors is probably the closest what I think God recommended. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people should not see government as some sacred thing. It's it's a profane thing. And I don't mean profane as evil. It's just profane as in non-sacred. It, 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 government is just like local government. It's there to make sure the garbage gets picked up and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And our government really is to keep one person's mitts off the other stuff. Yeah. There's no other purpose for it. There's really you. You can form other structures because you, government is coercive. It has force that it can use, mm-hmm. and that's the only purpose for it. And if you don't need force, you need force to enforce like law, court judgments, mm-hmm. lawsuits. Uh, you know, somebody's doing bodily harm. Government is not needed for anything else, and so that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty much right there with you. Okay. So that's it. Uh, one more quick one, if you don't mind, yeah. and then we'll move on. I would on. say, I would also add to Bethany's thing. You know what has really helped me uh, in a practical sense is to get uh, an MP3 player, a little pocket-sized one. Yeah. And whenever you're around doing something, rather than listen to, like, CNN or something mm-hmm. blasting at you in the airport or mm-hmm. whatever, just whatever you're doing, put that thing in and just listen to the Bible. Listen to the Bible. You know, it's mm-hmm. like... Uh, it do, you know, and that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how how loud they turn up the volume of yeah. Babylon. Right. It's like, haha! I've short circuited you with Bible. Well, and if you finish the Bible three or four times in a day, you could always listen to the Future Fact Show archives. <laughs> there you go. You could listen to that, or you could uh, listen to some of the Revelation Radio Network yeah. shows, or Doctor Stan Monty's show, yep. or a bunch of other people mm-hmm. peering into darkness radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole shadow of the darkness. Mighty Tales Bible Study. Mighty Tales Bible Study. Yeah. So, one other quick one here I just want to share real quick. This is from Brother Joshua. He says, Dr. Future has always a very good program. I'm a fan of Chris Pinto's work, but disagree with his conclusions about the nature of the Bill of Rights and that God doesn't explicitly provide for the First Amendment. However, God doesn't explicitly provide for a lot of things, but we are able to use his spirit to discern what is compatible. Freedom of speech is free will applied to speech. Uh, Christianity is based off of free will which assumes two choices, God's will and man's, or Satan's. Remember, the tree was in the garden as a choice. God wants us to freely obey him. He does not force it. Let me let me proceed. Excuse me, Pyro. Let me proceed further. Pyro, you're, okay. you're up works. Jesus did not provide for a theocracy. Instead, he said his kingdom was not of this earth. It is futile for man to try to force his kingdom here, as your show has often pointed out. Provided God will not endorse, would not endorse the First Amendment, who I might ask, should make judgments regarding the accepted practices of Christianity. Um, that's the point I've made. Who, who amongst the Christians is going to say what's okay and not? Having hey. just finished oh, sorry, <laughs> a film which shows the abuses of state-led Christianity, Pinto should have led his premise to the logical conclusion that someone would have to be the mouthpiece for God, which is no less than blasphemy. He is preparing to deliver a speech at the end of today's conference which covers controversial topics in the Christian world, the evangelical church. 
should it be leading the government may not uh, it, the evangelical church should it be leading the government would not allow such a conference. No, sure. So if the church would stop it because we're you know sort of outsiders, uh, also consider the woman caught in adultery. Jesus said that the person without sin should cast the first stone, which none did. Jesus did not punish the woman, but he wasn't condoning her actions. Adultery is wrong, but how would a Christian government regulate the sin? Hanging. Uh, according to this example, it could not. When applied to speech, it becomes, uh, let he who always speaks justly silence others. Jesus reminds us to turn the other cheek, which, though referring to some wrong, means that sins will be committed against you, but it's not for you to repay or attempt to coerce others to Christian behavior through force or any method other than winning them to Christ. It's up to God. Just a few thoughts, Dr. Future. Thanks. Thank you for reading. You're more than welcome to read my letters anytime. Although, I don't know why you'd want to. Joshua. <laughs> a little bit of self-deprecating I, humor. I, I think Brother Joshua sets uh, yeah. a typical standard for Futurians of extremely well-thought-out thoughts. Yep. Deliberations, not the average mantra that, unfortunately, even our Christian brethren a lot of times were exposed to. So, mm-hmm. uh, I have a few more stories, but if you want to You want to hit? Well, let's go. Gosh, there's so much wrong with the world. I just... I don't know where to begin. Um, you just are you just doing emails? Uh, uh, no, I've got okay. two more. I've got a half a you page. Wanna, story. I mean, not that that's wrong. Yeah. Here, I'll tell me. Tell you what, I'll do a quick one. Okay. And then you can do as many as you want. Lanos. Ex Pfizer worker cites genetically engineered virus in lawsuit over firing. Uh, this is via the Hartford Courant. Uh, medical experts will be watching closely Monday when a scientist who says she has been intermittently paralyzed by a virus designed at the Pfizer laboratory, where she worked in Groton, opens a much-anticipated trial that could raise questions about safety practices in the dynamic field of genetic engineering. Okay. Uh, oh, third paragraph. I thought was interesting. Organizations involved in workplace safety and responsible genetic research already have seized on the federal lawsuit by molecular biologist Becky McLean as an example of what they claim is evidence that risks caused by cutting-edge genetic manipulation have outstripped more slowly evolving government regulation of laboratories. McLean of Deep River suspects she was inadvertently exposed through through work by a former Pfizer colleague in 2002 or 2003 to an engineered form of the lentivirus a virus similar to the one that can lead to acquired immune deficiency syndrome, or AIDS. Medical experts working for McLean believe the virus has affected the, w- the way her body channels potassium, leading to a condition that causes complete paralysis as many as 12 times a month. Uh, if a worker in a plant as sophisticated as Pfizer is becoming infected with a genetically engineered virus, then I think the potential is everywhere, says Jeremy Gruber, president for the Council of Responsible Genetics, a public interest group created to explore the implications of genetic te- technologies. Um, and it goes on, but that was really the, 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 the third paragraph there I thought was okay. particularly so interesting. She, they say that this is an engineered thing that's very closely related to AIDS, mm-hmm. which is very similar to what Dr. Stan Monteith found Mm-hmm. In his research, that it was genetically engineered, mm-hmm. which, if any of that is true, you cannot believe anything your government says. Yep, that's true. That's well, that's true. a nice, quaint little story. Oh, uh, a little, little like mellowing out. Yeah. What do you got? Well, can I have something to get us a little deeper in the mess here? All right, great. Nine one one panel was warned not to probe too deeply. <laughs> uh, leaked info shows the nine one one commission was warned against crossing the lines in its probes. Well, seven out of ten of those guys says that they that that that, that commission was bogus. Seven mm-hmm. of the ten people on the panel. I cannot believe I somehow I cut off. I just looked at the uh, 
uh, where this came from, and I'm I'm missing it here. I'll have to produce it later. Uh, <clears throat> it says uh, leaked confidential documents have revealed that senior officials from the former U.S. administration had warned a 911 investigation panel against probing too deeply into the terrorist attacks. In a letter obtained by the American Civil Liberties Union, the 911 Commission was refused permission to question terrorist suspects, with the Bush administration arguing that doing so, uh, the panel would cross a line and obstruct the administration's efforts to protect the nation. Citing the need to, quote, safeguard the national security, and now this is just for, like, congressmen and stuff to, mm. to do it. Uh, the, the national security, including protection of Americans from future terrorist attacks, the government officials demanded the commission not to make further attempts at conducting a deeper probe into the September 11th terror attacks. As the officers of the United States responsible for law enforcement, defense and intelligence functions of the government, we urge your commission not to further pursue the proposed request to participate in the questioning of detainees, the letter said. And they don't even describe how that would somehow make us less safe, do they? Hmm. Uh, the warning note dated January 6, 2004, has been signed by former Attorney General John Ashcroft. You know that fine Christian man who sings all those gospel songs? That's him. Have you ever heard his wonderful no. Christian singing? No. Defense John Sec- Ashcroft has a John Ashcroft, oh yeah. Wow. Defense Secretary Donald okay. Rumsfeld and CIA Director George Tenet. The 911 Commission was set up in November 2002 to prepare a full account of the circumstances surrounding the attacks, which still have an air suspicion around them. The revelation comes as, according to a recent survey, one quarter of U.S. adults believe that the 2001 terrorist attacks were fabricated. One quarter. Wow. So what that means one quarter of a public are crazy, nutty, dangerous, terrorist-like conspiracy theorists. Well, maybe one we quarter. Have. That's a lot. We're doomed if all those people are terrorists. You know, like Glenn Beck says, those people who believe that stuff are they're like terrorists. Yep. They should be. You know, monitored or locked up. So that's one quarter of the public. Well, oh, I was just going to mention here okay, that. Oh, I, I am. I'm trying to find. This one's a little different story. I was going to find a reference. I just deleted the reference. I apologize. Oh, all right. Well, I'm not a good journalist. It's okay. <laughs> it's funny because we didn't actually write any of these stories. I know, but even copying them, I made a mistake. Yeah. Okay. We have about f- uh, less than five. Okay. Uh, British military intelligence ran renegade torture unit in Iraq. This is via the Independent. And I'm just going to try and give a breakdown because the story is three okay. or four pages long. We still get pretty good in five minutes. Fresh evidence has emerged that British military intelligence ran a secret operation in Iraq which authorized degrading and lawful treatment of prisoners. Documents reveal that prisoners were kept hooded for long periods in intense heat and deprived of sleep by defense intelligence officers. They also reveal that officers running the operation claimed to be answerable only directly to London. Uh, the latest documents emerged during the iniquity into Baha Musa, an Iraqi hotel worker beaten to death while in the custody of British troops in September 2003. Uh, the inquiry is looking into how interrogation techniques banned by the government in 1972 and considered torture and degrading treatment were used again in Iraq. Uh, let's see. Um, in a statement to the inquiry, Colonel Christopher Vernon said he raised concerns after seeing 30 or 40 uh, prisoners in a kneeling position with sacks over their heads. He said they, those in charge said they were from the in- Defense and Intelligence Security Center based at Chickson's Belfordshire, the British Army's intelligence HQ. He was informed that they were, independent, they were an independent unit and reported directly to their chain of command in London. Hooding was, a, was accepted practice and would continue, he was told. They reiterated the point that they were an independent unit and did not come under the command of the JOC-1 Armed Division, uh, that's the Iraqi command, mm-hmm. he said. 
asked of the inquiry last week whether there was some sort of feeling generally in the Army that the intelligence people were slightly on their own and running their own show, Colonel Vernon replied. I think you could say that. In a second statement, Colonel David Friend, a British legal uh, army uh, a British Army legal advisor in Iraq said he was, he was told by a senior military intelligence officer in London that there was a legitimate reason for hooding. They had always done it, and they would like to continue to do it. Uh, my recollection, Colonel Friend said, my recollection is that he said that, that they, i.e. those in JFIT, uh, who were doing this stuff, had been trained to hood. My understanding from Can you the explain co- hood, hooding? Yeah, what you do is you take a hood and you put it over somebody's neck so they, you know, it's difficult to breathe. You can't mm-hmm. see where they're going. You walk them into walls. Hmm. Uh, in this case, they had taken them and uh, outside into 120 degree mm-hmm. heat, and uh, you know had them in a kneeling position outside in intense heat. So the heat in the bag becomes—it's mm-hmm. a black bag. The heat becomes you know 140, 150, mm-hmm. 160 degrees in this bag, and uh, they pri- deprive them of of sleep. Get your sadistic pleasure out of it. Basically, is that one thing it's good for? Uh, yeah. Well. Do, do people just suddenly start talking about classified information when they put that black bag over their head? Is that the key? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Some people swear up and down that um, uh, torture is a legitimate mm-hmm. interrogation technique, and they regard they get very good info from other people. But most independent counsels that I inquiries that I have I have read on it said that it's always very flawed because at some point the person is either going to crack. Or, uh, and then whatever they, they'll tell you whatever they want. They'll tell you mm-hmm. their dead grandmother, uh, built the, you know, built you, the Sears Tower. You mean like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed saying that, uh, that he bombed these buildings that had been built at the exist. time? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's okay. My understanding, this, uh, the, uh, quote continues. My understanding from the conversation was simply the use of Hessian sandbags as hoods was something that they had been taught to, uh, that had been taught to members of the JFIT at some point prior to the development. Uh, to the deployment to Iraq, and that it was not a unilateral act by them. Um, how much more time do I have? About um, uh, 45 seconds. Okay. Um, yeah, well, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. It's just all really bad stuff. Okay. Uh, we didn't train them. No, we didn't do that. We don't know who they are, uh, and we're not telling you how we know any of this. Mm-hmm. That's kind of Speaking on this topic, you know, I read the story... Um, uh, the story about the British uh, unit that did the thing right after World War One, where they tortured to death mm-hmm. Germans, even people who weren't Germans, mm-hmm. and wrong place, wrong time. Well, someone called me to task and said, you know, I see this story also linked as a story in 2005, and you need to be more honest about blah, blah, blah. Well, I can tell you right now, if that were the case, it was never consciously done, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. Thanks for pointing it out. But um, I went back and looked at the story. I made the same goofy mistake I made on this other one, and that's rare. And I always normally keep the uh, yeah. the date and who the uh, source is, and I read it on air. But uh, that was another one of those ones that in my haste to make the deadline for the show, mm-hmm. I was trying to get rid of all the other pablum off the page, mm-hmm. and I took it off. So I can't say yay or nay, but I strongly doubt I would have read a story directly from 2005. Yeah. Unless it had been oversight that it it may have been reprinted rather rewrite. Well, you're not. But but really the real question is is it true or not? Yeah. And there was no question about whether it was true or not. And I think it's important to know. And I'm glad I read it anyway because yeah. it was important to know sure. that this activity, just like Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo Bay, goes back a long time. And we just not talked about it. And we need to go. Merv, right. tell our listeners how to contact us. A future quake. 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Use magic from that black hood. Yeah. Come back next week. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.